Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. We're back with another special edition of the Big Gold Belt Podcast. If the storylines have not made sense from WrestleMania to it's, now. It's been the, the best told story leading into this on WWE. This, this pay-per-view, it feels big, it feels important, but... Ultimately, it's the biggest thing that, that stood out for me when I seen it, I was like, okay, this has to be a joke. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so we're back. Yeah, we're back. Yeah, we're back. Happy 2017, everybody. This is the Big Go Bell Wrestling Podcast, and we are back after a little holiday break and, uh, you know, family time and all that good stuff, but... We're, um, we got four members of the crew. Aaron is um, still with the family right now, but we definitely wanted to make sure we got y'all nice and early in 2017 with our end of the year 2016, our version of the Slammies, which didn't even happen. So I guess we are triumphant on that note. The Goaties Awards, in which um, we kind of went down a whole bunch of different uh, categories and um, – Took, took some time. We gave it about a week amongst ourselves to really hand out who we felt was more or less um, was deserving for each category. So this is going to be a fun episode. Um, at the end of it, we will, I will post the whole, because we have it on the Excel sheet. I post it on our Facebook and um, on our Tumblr as well. But again, this is two chains. Uh, we got Dr. M, Silly Sellers, and the good man, D. Wayne. How's everybody doing? Happy 2017. Same to you, bro. We're good here. Doing good. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year. It's been an interesting year so far. Right, right. Um, just want to take a second to thank all the good uh, friends and fans who's you know been on team with us 2016. Um, shout out to the Attitude Aggression podcast. Uh, um, shout out to Under the Mat Radio. Shout out to the Three Black Geeks. Um. Who am I? Who else am I missing? Um, Shout out to uh, Jamal too, Giant Crab. Right? Yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, shout out to uh, Nova Pro Wrestling and and Mike um, for having us at and first of all having a tremendous year of their own and um, also taking time to do a show with us throughout this year. Um, and excuse me for the fans I'm forgetting, but uh, definitely. Fans that definitely uh, came in on did our shows. Um, I got, forgot the guy from Indianapolis name, forgive me. Um, I can't remember his handle off the top of my head that came in on our fan question night. And right, I think right. Dan that came in on one day that it was a great show we had with him. Yeah. See him See him in a couple of weeks down in uh, San Antonio? Yep. So, um, but again, this, thank you for everybody who made, who makes Twitter fun, who makes watching show live on Twitter fun, who um, retweet, like, and, you know, interact with all that good stuff. The people that um, recognize us in public appreciate all of that. And again, um, 2017, we hope to have a, a much, much better year. Um, giving y'all all types of different tastes and feels for our perspective of wrestling, um, going to a lot of shows and, you know, just keeping it fun. Like, you know, not a job here, just something that we do in our, in our hobby times and get away from the real world a little bit, just to debate and talk wrestling amongst uh, each other. So we're here. Uh, anybody want to ask anything to that? Hey, Let's just jump right in. Shout out to all the fans that have a, that are fans of NFL playoff teams. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> shout out to Let's move on. Let's move on. 
Oh, man. Hey, hey, you know, on that note, we won't talk about NFL too much. But, you know, I have to say, man, when the team does good, it ain't always so good because, you know, next year, no matter if you win or lose, everybody's going to get paid. I'm sure I'm sure y'all saw their cap ain't looking as friendly as ours, uh, speaking of the, the Panthers and the 49ers. But um, and don't forget, when, when you win, coaches get interviewed for other teams. So you better live this up because you who knows what's going to happen next year when those egos start coming into play. Dallas Cowboys, so. But um, but yeah, let's get let's get started. Like I said, um, th- we're gonna jump around a little bit. What I mean by that is because I have I'm looking at our sheet of everything, and I kind of kind of started with the sheet with wrestler of the year, and I think that is not appropriate to be number one. But um, I'm gonna come down the list a little bit, and I will I will start with yeah I'll start I'll start at the bottom like I originally said. Cool. A live experience slash event of the year that involve wrestling. Who wants to go first? So just somebody go ahead. Um, I think this I'll speak for everybody on this one except for V Wayne. Um was definitely great for me. Um having Nakamura debut and not only Nakamura debut and having an excellent match uh with Sami Zayn. Um, we saw uh, Finn Balor and Samoa Joe have a great title match where even though Finn retained, uh, it was still a good match. And even Asuka, with the match that uh, started her title reign where she won against Bailey, um, that was great. So we saw uh, some great, great matches throughout that whole night. And the crowd that we engaged with that was around us, it was great wrestling talk. I know for us, me and you two, James, um, the guy that we talked to who was from Texas was just very, very uh, hip to a lot of indie shows and a lot of uh, – Hispanic and Latino wrestling promotions that happens in the San Antonio area. It was just great to have a conversation with him. So just a crowd experience as well. Yeah. I am the one that differed here. And I put WrestleMania 32 because um, I uh, broke my WrestleMania virginity. And um, nonetheless, it wasn't, it wasn't the absolute best show, but it was, I'm sorry. It wasn't the best card, but it was absolutely one of the best shows because of everything that pertained to it. The environment, um, Dallas Stadium is amazing, like to the point where I wouldn't even, I wouldn't have been mad to be in the stand-up only area. Um, And it just was a feel walking up to it, knowing like what we was getting ourselves into. And although it was like, what, 10 hours long, it still was just amazing to say that, you know, I experienced it and, Walk back. I was totally tired on the way back, but walking back just straight <laughs> off of adrenaline and just how like crazy all the fans and stuff was. Yeah, yep. WrestleMania, man. It was it was awesome, and the stadium was awesome. The city was awesome. Everybody in town. It was, a, it was an overall great experience. So I went WrestleMania thirty two, and everybody else went with NST Takeover Dallas. Um, yeah. Ooh. See, this is why the the, the disorder is going to be a little bit tricky. Because, like, here, stable of the year. You think should we start here? What you guys think? Oh, you know what? I'm not going to host all of this. You guys pick a category. We'll jump around. Y'all got um, no. I actually go 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 with stable of the year because let let's start there because with stable of the year. Now, next one, woman of the year, a woman wrestler of the year. We, it's pretty much the same, so we can breeze through those easily. Yeah. Um. Dr. M, you want to explain why you wanted to say New Day? Because I know a lot of us chose New Day except for two chains. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I definitely, like most of our group, went with New Day as stable of the year. Um, tough to argue against it, although I'll be curious to hear two chains' point. But uh, 
I mean, for for literally the entire year, every Monday night on Raw, at least past the draft, and then on SmackDown before that, I mean, you could count on New Day to have at least one entertaining segment. Some yep. they were in multiple segments, um, and know what they're involved in, whether it's a backstage segment, whether it's in the ring, you know they're going to put on a good show and give 100%. So, um, you know, for me, it wasn't it wasn't even a contest, I think. I I had to really look at, I mean, I mean, I felt like New Day was the easy answer, and I feel like anybody out in the wrestling world without thinking really hard would have said the New Day. But the reason I went with the Bullet Club is because the Bullet Club has been dominant all over. And then when you think about the beginning of this year, AJ Styles and um and um I, I, oh, I'm about to stutter my words. Gallows, Gallows and Anderson were part of the Bullet Club, and it's and and to the extension they came to WWE and was still part of the club, and we know what they were referring to. But even if and even if you, if you take that if you take them out of the picture, because we already know AJ Styles had a phenomenal year, no pun, pun intended, actually. Huh. But look at what the Young Bucks did, being the IW the IWGP Junior Heavyweight. Tag team uh, champions as well as, as well as the always world tag team champions and the PWG world tag team champions. That's a pretty impressive like slate right there. Then to think that you know Kenny Omega won the G One Climate, and um, at the beginning of the year he was the IWGP Intercontinental Champion, and and Adam Cole dominated and took over the Bullet Club or ROH, and he was the um, ROH Heavyweight Champion, like. And then I, I, I even had down my notes. You consider Finn Balor in the beginning of the year was the NST champ, then became the first universal universal title uh, uh, champion. When you when you put all those together, it's hard for you to really go against them. Not to mention the momentum they're taking into 2017, where we're going to see Cody Rhodes debut as the American Nightmare on Wrestle Kingdom in what two days? I think now. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's really hard to go against. My only issue with the Bullet Club is that I have a fear they're going to end up like the NWO and have like 50 members. Everybody in there, yes. Right, whereas New Day, I mean, you've got three guys that are kind of pulling this thing together all by themselves. I'm sure they have help in the backstage area and whatnot, right? But, yeah. I mean, Bullet Club, they're spread out across multiple promotions, and uh, they have, I don't know, a million people in it already, right? And so... Uh, I mean, I'm a big Bullet Club fan, and and I agree with Two Chains that they've had a phenomenal year. Um, I don't know. I just think New Day edges it out just a little bit. I, I have to say, though, nobody loses here because the um, internet trolling and Ashley at show um, at uh, the shows and stuff. The trolling between the Bullet Club and the New Day is is what's best for business to see them like i don't know if you guys peeped that um the new day stole the um stole the um bullet club pose um when they came out what was the last pay-per-view it was uh um what was that december pay-per-view the young, the young bucks pose you know when they come out they they stole the same thing they do and you know the young bucks always have new day type of shirts and stuff like that like it's 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 funny between them so nobody really loses but i think for the for the sake of you know how dominate they were over different shows. I, that tipped the edge for me the other way. So, but you know, I do fear that too. If they do become, you know, like too too many people like the NWO, uh, hopefully they'll learn from their mistakes. You know. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. What we got next, Alice? 
Uh, let's go Women Rest of the Year. And I, I basically speak on everybody in this. We can move on. I mean, when you have like a four or five time champion in one year, I mean, you can definitely say that she's a woman of the year. But not just that. Um, Charlotte has really shown that she can be the best heel. She is the best women's wrestler from her appearances at uh, every single pay-per-view that she had, especially at WrestleMania 32. She just put on the show every time she's in the ring. And she's basically, you know, a classic to watch. Um, regardless if you like her or not, a fan of her or not, she's she's definitely bona fide in the ring, and she deserves it. Undefeated pay-per-view streak this year. No nope. saying. You can't, can't, can't beat yep. that. Um, to the last show that I did uh, on the Three Black Geeks, when they did their um, their, their top 100 um, Russell Corner uh, Russells of the Year, I I made a note, and I think it was you, Sellers, that said this early in the year, or maybe it was Dr. M. I can't remember which one of y'all said this, but one of y'all kind of like questioned, and it, it made tremendous sense, and that really didn't dawn on me until like later on, a few months later, but one of y'all guys said, I wonder if they're building Charlotte um, as their alpha woman for the WWE, as the UFC done with Ronda Rousey, as Serena Williams was dominant in tennis. And I was like, oh, oh that sounds like Dr. M all day. <laughs> And and when you think about it, like no matter her losing on Raw or anything, you know, she won on every pay per view, your mm-hmm. cash shows, your big top promotional shows, whatever show it was, she was always dominant. And they did a good job of building her as that. She is definitely their number one and well deserving of the award for sure. And not to throw a shot at D Wing, just to add to that, it's a difference when you're doing that and building somebody and they look good doing it. If they have any flaw in there, it looks terrible. And I'm not trying to throw a shot at Roman Reigns, but that's what WWE tried to do with him, and it just wasn't the same effect as they did with Charlotte successfully. Yeah. All right, what we got next? Oh, you're not throwing a shot at me. Uh, it, it's to me, it's now. To me, Roman Reigns is more of a gimmick issue than anything else. It's, um, it's, it's not a building of the person, correctly. It's his is more of a gimmick thing. Gotcha. He, he needs to be a heel. The Usos has proved that it works, and they still can't get it together. So. Gotcha. And speaking on that, D-Wing, let me just throw it right back to you. Let's go up to the next level, the Cena Monster Foul Victim of the Year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who would, and I see your answer, D-Wing, but Wait, you want to let Make sure you explain again just for fans who have no idea what the Cena Monster Foul is. Okay, D-Wing, you want to explain what the Cena Monster File is? I don't want to take your, your gimmick away. I mean, explain This it is the D-Wing category, okay, guys? So y'all, y'all, y'all remember that. It's going to – I guarantee you that more and more <laughs> Roman Reigns becomes popular, the more war that this category is going to be more relevant. So the Cena Monster File is created based on People that John Cena apparently buries, no matter if they win or lose. <laughs> so, so it, it's interesting that we did this. We did quite a few. That means I went to, and the reason why, big, which is the reason why, that I'm his victim. <laughs> Because sir, after sir, a while, speak up, speak up in the mic. You are saying that you are the John Cena Monster Five Victim of the Year. Yes. <laughs> Say it in chest. I am this. That, <laughs> I am John Cena Monster Five Victim of the Year. And here's a good explanation why. John Cena. It comes to a point when you just bury everybody. 
to the point where we just don't have a segment for you to bury anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you buried me. You got it. You won. Now I have to think of something new. <laughs> um, do you, again, is this category going to be relevant considering that he said he's back and he seemed to be kind of heelish in saying so? Um, I've, I think that it's, it's going to come back once in a while, but not very often, only because I think as he gets older within the next year, he's still going to take time off to do any movies or shows that he wants to do. Good, because I, I was hoping I wasn't the only one who wasn't falling for that. Like, come on, sir. Um, all right, so Dwayne uh, nominating himself for the Dwayne Monster Pilot Victim of the Year. Um, just to add to that, Aaron said the same thing as well, so they might have been on the same live or same uh, concept on that. I wish I could have heard that. All right, um, Doctor M and Dr. M, who was your? Well, no, I would let Doctor M go first because I'm interested about his choice that he put. I'll save yours for last two chains because I kind of like yours. So. Um... I chose as the Cena Monster File victim SmackDown Live, the whole show. Um, but a caveat is that I chose that a few weeks ago, however long it was when we first filled out this form. Yep. Um, in part because I feel like SmackDown Live at the time got um, the short end of the stick here in terms of they already have a smaller roster, and then the biggest name on the roster, John Cena, was part time. Um, Good call. And so I felt like SmackDown Live just got victimized by John Cena. Um, but uh, with him being back and the news that they got higher ratings than Raw, right, now I'm starting to think that the uh, Cena Monster File Victim of the Year is this category, right, because <laughs> totally messed up my answer. And so uh, I would just say this category is the Cena Monster File Victim of the Year. Oh, man. The same thing that you said, Dr. M, for SmackDown Live, I would actually put for the CWC with my six, Cena uh, victim. Yeah, I want to hear Cena this. Cena file victim of the year. Um, and the reason why I say the CWC is if you look at every week, let's just say this, for fans in general, they was looking to the CWC every week. Even though it was pre-recorded, you was trying to see those classic matchups of all these wrestlers who are under 205 pounds trying to compete against each other, and every single match was good. It was like not a bad match. And the way the crowd was, it was great. But then when you say, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get a champion, I'm going to put it on Raw, it just went totally to shreds. So it just seems like the big gimmick that you had where you had this big tournament that was great just fell straight flat when you put it on regular TV and it couldn't recover. And I think 205 was a good attempt to try to bring it back, but it still doesn't have the same flair um, that it did when it was a classic. So that's why I said the CWC definitely got – uh, seen a monster foul by Raw itself. Um, I went with probably more of the um, a usual suspect answer here, and I had put the U.S. title as the Cena monster foul victim of the year. It's because no matter if you like John Cena or not, this, the open challenge was one of the best things going on Raw um, mm -hmm. towards the beginning of the year, and the best thing with that belt. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, um, the U.S. championship has been really irrelevant to the point now I'm trying to think who even has it. That's how bad it is to me. Right. Uh, and, your boy, uh, D-Wayne's boy Roman has it. Oh, okay. See, I had to think about it for a minute. And, that, and that's honest. I'm not even playing. But um, ever since uh, Cena kind of took his hiatus and, you know, dropped the belt to whomever it was, 
it just hasn't been relevant. And, you know, a lot of people have been requesting that, you know, he does come back and reclaim it or whatever it may be, or somebody does, does a form of the open challenge because that was, that was hot to see NXT and just random talent come out and challenge him. Now it's just whatever now it's, it's not getting a lot of respect and sad enough, no matter if it's a heel or a face with the title, it's just, nobody really cares. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it hasn't even been defended in forever. I mean, it did get the, Defended on Raw against Kevin Owens, but we know that was just a whatever match just to get him through to uh, Roadblock. But you know, it's, there's no intrigue there, at least from my point of view. Gotcha. Um, let's move on to. I, I skipped this one just to go right to Cena Monster because a good tie into D Wayne just being on. Yeah. Uh, shocker, shocking moment of the year. Yeah. Um, I, I see D Wayne and Aaron once again was the same on this. Uh, Doctor M, do you want to go first with yours? Um, I'm sorry, wait, say that again? The, it's the shocker of the year, shocking moment of the year. Um, so I think I kind of fell into the hype at this time, right? But uh, for me, the <laughs> was um, the Goldberg versus Brock match at Survivor Series. Um, I don't really know what I was expecting out of that match, but I was not expecting... Um, Crushed and what? What was it like? How many seconds was it? Oh, um, two, two like two. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean that that legitimately shocked me. Um, and you know, kudos to WWE because as much as we it's predictable, I I did not predict that. My answer. Uh, two chains. You go ahead for the next one. Yeah, I have to say that um, when we use that NST takeover Dallas. Uh, we always know all NXTs always well, – I ain't going to say all of them, but up until uh, maybe – I forget was, what was the one right after this. But nonetheless, NXT TakeOver Dallas, you're always looking for stardom in the crowd. If it's not main roster talent there or legends there, it's always, you know, creates the hype. But I honestly have to say that the fact and the appearance of Kota Ibushi and the NXT TakeOver Dallas was definitely my shocking moment because they're, they're, at this point – I'm like, there's no way that these rumors of, like, these, these, these good New Japan pro wrestling talent being on U.S. soil. It just, it just doesn't happen. And not to mention, Kota Ibushi was at a point was considering retirement. But nonetheless, to see him at NXT, it was, it was, the, it was the hypest moment ever when the crowd went, like, showed him over there. And I, I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. D-Wayne, what about you? Um, I have to go with, like, a feel-good story. Um, Zack Ryder winning the IC title at WrestleMania. I mean, the heavy favorite at that time was Kevin Owens to win it. And yeah. To see WWE making the shit and saying, oh, no, we're going to have a feel-good moment for Zack Ryder. It was, it was very shocking. And very, very, it was a good moment, I must say. And for me, um, it was actually Shinsuke Nakamura just being at NXT TakeOver Dallas, we all knew he was coming, but just the fact that he was there, and if you follow New Japan and you know how great he was over there and how, how well-known he is in the wrestling community, um, just actually seeing him there and perform uh, was just outstanding. The, the crowd, I don't think the crowd really sat down the whole match and just to realize to say that he's here in the WWE. And, and he actually started the trend of some of these other future people getting signed. Like you mentioned, two chains about Kota Ibushi 
or even somebody like a Cedric Alexander, who is a fan of our show, or even somebody uh, like a, a Rick Rue, you know, I mean, Bobby Rue, excuse me, you know, there's somebody that, you know, it's coming in from TNA and Eric Young coming in from TNA. It just started a heavy trend of just coming over and make it NXT re- relevant. Um, I'm going to go ahead and move to the next one. I'm going to combine three and one because they're all kind of negative, and I'll explain how I would do it. And this will give me a chance for why you guys are explaining. Uh, I'll take this goofy dog outside that I got to take out for a quick <laughs> second. So I'll start it off. Um, the three topics that we have are most unfortunate circumstances, which, of course, is something that's saddened us throughout the year. Um, the next one is catfish of the year. If you ever watch MTV shows catfish, it's basically somebody who is not who they say they are. So we tried to see it in our wrestling perspective for someone who didn't show or wish they had a better year. And our last one is the Future Endeavor of the Year Award, the Bye Bye Award. Maybe somebody that's not here. Um, and maybe that's a positive thing or maybe that's a negative thing. We can explain it. But I'll combine all those three for our next one since they're all kind of negative. For me, my most unfortunate, unfortunate circumstance is Cody Rhodes not getting a chance to move on from Stardust. He kind of mentioned that he wasn't going to talk on podcasts, but he actually ended up did telling his story on podcasts. And just hearing how he really wanted to be Cody Rhodes again and how WWE would not let him do that. It was very unfortunate because he could have did something great for himself because the crowd wanted him, the fans wanted him. Um, and what you see what he's actually doing on the independent scene is actually real, real good work. And even being part of the Bullet Club, the, the sky is unlimited for, for Cody. I wish he got a chance to do that in WWE, but he's finally getting a chance to do that. The catfish of the year is somebody who I had high expectations for, especially <laughs> when they drafted him. And I don't know what happened with WWE and definitely dropped the ball with him but about Apollo Creed. And it's sad because the only thing I remember about Apollo Creed and SmackDown is when him and Miz was going back and forth and kept on calling him Apollo Cruz. And when something is like vice, that. Vice versa. Oh, yo, vice versa. I'm sorry. And when, when, you, when you go through a segment like that, and that's your memorable, memorable moment on SmackDown, which you're supposed to be coming up and elevating yourself on that brand, that's kind of sad. <laughs> and my uh, future endeavor of the year award, this is more of a bye-bye award, and please don't come back. Um, because you went out on two instances, which was negative, and I can't, I don't want to see you in WWE again. ADR. Now, do I like ADR as a wrestler? Yes. Can he go in the ring? Yes. Is he a champion that could possibly be in some type of wrestling hall of fame? Yes. Whether it's in America based or Mexico based. But the way you left WWE for the second time, don't come back because it's, it's, it's no need for you to even try to attempt to be back. So that's how I combine those three. Um, Dr. M, you go ahead because yours actually is a um, pretty interesting component as far as your, um, most unfortunate, you can go ahead from there. All right. So uh, most unfortunate circumstances, I actually went with Amore injury. Um, I forget which pay-per-view it was. It was back in April or May uh, when they were facing the Vaude Villains, and he got caught up in the ropes. Um, and I just remember seeing it live. That I mean, It looked gruesome, right? And so – um, the injury itself was unfortunate, and he bounced back pretty quickly, but I think uh, unfortunate is right for him because the storyline he's currently in is also unfortunate, right? And so um, I think this 2016 was just a rough year for Enzo, and it looks like that storyline is going to continue. I got I to gotta add uh, two cents to that, too. Like, I think ever since the injury thing, too, he's also been less involved in matches, if you haven't noticed. This yeah. whole complex of him in the ring has been kind of say squashes like he takes the big blow and it's just out so I, I don't know yeah. if that really played the part but he's not involved 
and and the bad thing, the the bad and the good thing about this is this is most unfortunate for Enzo because he's about to lose his partner because now it only just elevated big cast to have a singles run. Right. So. Right. I mean, I, I have long believed, and I think a lot of fans believe this, that Enzo would be better as a manager than a wrestler. <laughs> um, but we'll see how that goes. Um, my catfish of the year goes to Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. I mean, you talk about two accomplished wrestlers, a great tag team in Japan and all over the world, and I'm constantly confused at how they're being booked in WWE. Uh, I can't believe they haven't won the belts yet. I mean, obviously, WWE was trying to make history with New Day, but I don't know. I, to me, they're my catfish of the year because sometimes I forget they're in WWE. Um, and then Future Endeavor of the Year, I went with Ryback. Um, because <laughs> I think the writing was on the wall at WrestleMania when he uh, wasn't even, he was on the pre-show with Kalisto. Uh, <laughs> that started at like five o'clock and he lost and it started at like five o'clock in the afternoon when <laughs> the stadium wasn't even all that full yet. And uh, I think that was a sign right there that his time was almost up and just uh, kind of the bitter way he left. And then he's, in this never-ending feud with CM Punk. Um, so, like Celis, he's kind of a, a – I'm happy to see him go. I, I don't really want to see him back. Uh, hopefully he finds some gainful employment somewhere, but not in WWE. <laughs> um, just to note that um, Aaron had, for his future endeavors, he had Ryback as well. For his catfish of the year, he had Dana Brooke, which I would have been interested to hear why there. And um, I'll speak to his most unfortunate circumstances, which is – China passing because I also had the same thing, but um, um, to elaborate on China first is because um, it's kind of it's it's I don't know it's kind of distasting for WWE to finally come to heads with China after she passes to finally give her the recognition that she deserves as if like you know the amount of years of everything she's done has been un- like everybody's know who she was and. They kind of went as if it never happened. And I can understand, you know, Stephanie McMahon's stance with, you know, China and Triple H's previous relationship. But for her to be a businesswoman and to run a company to try to like eradicate somebody totally from the history books as if, you know, she wasn't a pioneer for the women's division is, is kind of mm-hmm. hard. And then for her finally to kind of say something about it. I, first of all, Stephanie McMahon totally mishandled this, the passing of China and incorrectly and it was just bad but it's just sad that china had to pass for her to finally get the um recognition that she deserved and actually finally maybe really getting the consideration for hall of fame this year but you know we'll see if stephanie actually really does make it happen because um she's she's, she's kind of alluded to saying that she deserves it but will it happen is the big thing but um yeah on a not so sensitive note, I've also had on most unfortunate circumstances as well. It's Titus O'Neil's suspension. Who would have ever thought that trying to handshake the boss would get you in so much trouble? Like he was the dad of the year last year. He was um he was their their um head camp um he was he was their face for that campaign. And so once he got suspended for sixty days. Uh, Ronan Reigns got suspended for 30 days for, for um, some band control substance. So we're just going to throw that out there. Um, Titus got put in numerous bad feuds, some with Darren Young, 
some with him being a face, some with being a heel. Then they're then they're back a tag team. Then they're breaking up again. And then to top it all, at the end of the year, they put Alberto Del Rio as their face for their their um I forget what it's called, but you know, like the dad, the daddy figure mm-hmm. of the WWE. So it's like, wait, Titus not a bad guy, but then y'all put this guy who has sort of say of a bad reputation right now as your guy. That's like a slap in the face. And now First Titus, off, we, don't, we don't even see this guy anymore now. I'm going to seriously say that was the dumbest suspicion WWE has ever did a day in my life. <laughs> like, they should go kill themselves for that. Like, for real? Like, lighten up. Have a sense of humor. You don't really have to get your feelings off. Off nothing. It was... It was Nothing. It, like, I... <laughs> it fits the category so bad. So good for me. It's most unfortunate circumstance. Like, just, just a nice little friendly dap to the to the uh, boss and look at that. But um, for my um, nominee for the Catfish of the Year, which again, we said somebody who didn't show up that we wish he showed up, was the Deli Boys because, you know, the Deli Boys coming back was a big thing. Um, we seen Devon, um, first we saw Bubba um, appear in the Royal Rumble. So there was speculation that he made that, you know, he may have came back and it didn't happen immediately, but eventually he did. And uh, Devon came as well. And, you know, Michael Cole shoved down our throats for, like, the first, like, what, three or four months, how they needed one more lit, one more basically title run to become the 10-time champs. And I think that would have broke the record or would have been the most of all time, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm correct or not, but I think they may have only had one title shot against the New Day, and that was it. And after that, yep, they, right. they jobbed for the tag team division for God knows how long. And it's just messed up that the legends that they are and the work that they put in for the years, they was not able to get that 10th time, to, be, to become the 10-time tag team champs, in which you think, like, you brought them back for a limited contract, and for them not to get that, that's just, it's just messed up, man. Yep. And um, Future Endeavor Awards, as we already spoke about Alberto Del Rio, but I also have Paige on that as well because with so much potential, she was oh – she had the – she had – up until today, she would have been the longest uh, reigning NXT Women's Champion, but she still has the combined length with her two-title run. But with that much momentum, being the youngest Divas Champion um, and – the pure talent she had, she got on Total Divas. Um, everything was going right for her until she met Alberto Del Rio. Well, all of a sudden, she um, gets suspended. They both get suspended a day apart. There's no coincidence in that. Uh, who knows what they was partying with. And now it just seems to be that her career is done. Um, she's injured, sort of say. And her rehabbing hasn't even been like really like announced or anything. So who knows what's really going on with her. But, hmm. um, yeah, Paige and my brother Daryl, uh, I wish the best of luck to them. And I do not want to see either one of them back. I don't want to see Paige back because there's so much pure woman talent right now. And these, these women are serious about trying to elevate the, the division that you don't want somebody that's not taking it serious to be part of that. So, D-Wayne, awesome. you go ahead. All right. So, I don't think – I do – in that case, I do want to see Paige back because I think she has talent. The thing is, it's just a matter of where does creative fit her in. I think that the last few months when she was there, they didn't fit in her properly at all. 
the page back, but to get on to my three most kind of questions, I will have to say this is for you, Silas. Emmett gets hurt. Yeah, you got two for me in this section. At the at the time that she was elevating, and she comes back as we keep saying vignettes of Emmalina. Terrible. It's, it's, it's terrible to me. It's kind of like she comes back as this sex figure or something. Who knows? But I, I'm not interested in seeing it at all. So I think that's very unfortunate for Emma because she has some, she has talent. Mm-hmm. Um, Catfish of the year, of course, has to go to Anderson and Gallus. And I have to agree with Dr. M on this one. I don't know what they are. And apparently right now, I don't know who they are. Huh. <laughs> so... Until they, until WWE, and I think at the, to the creative one, their identity to be the club. AJ Styles or Finn Balor is hurt. They're trying to figure out something for them. And I think they haven't got it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, future endeavor of the year. This this is actually a positive one for once. Something nice <laughs> I have to say. Thank you. <laughs> it's actually Cody Rhodes. Is she the way that he's going on the NDC promote self promotion of himself and and basically taking his character to another level is, is absolutely amazing for someone who in the beginning year had a was crazy in the cosmos. <laughs> um so I I believe that this is just a, a segue to him eventually coming back to WWE because I feel like WWE's probably gonna see his worth and value after this. I hope so. D-Wayne, on that note, too, the fact of what Cody Rhodes is doing is enough intrigue of why people are going to stay up late to watch Russell Kingdom 11 Live because the debut of Cody Rhodes is a big thing. And Mm -hmm. what he's done this year has not ever been done. And that's what I've been calling the the indie scene world tour. Every single promotion he could get his hands on, he's there. And, um... I, trust me, when we get to another category, I'm going to justify it. But Cody Rose is bound to be the man in 2017 all the way. He super amount of momentum right now. Matter of fact, on, on that note, let's let's get to that other category because I think this goes hand in hand into the whole situation, which is um, AD Wrestler of the Year. Awesome. Let's do it. And I speak from, I, I said, any rest of the year, to me, it, based on his self-promotion, him going to different promotions and him advancing his character is Cody Rhodes. And I, I I believe that Aaron agreed with me as well. I did too. I'm with you on that. Okay. Dr. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> I understand the argument for Cody Rhodes. I picked Ricochet for indie wrestling. Um, In part because even though he has never set foot in a WWE ring, whenever Ricochet does something, everybody hears about it. It's all over Twitter, right? Um, When the uh, Cruiserweight Classic was starting, people were constantly asking, you know, is Ricochet going to be in it? Is he going to be in it? And when the tournament started, why isn't he in it, right? And so um, he has a great deal of popularity. He has been all over the world. Um, and like I said, all of his moves, like everybody knows about it. 
And I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if WWE snatches him up at some point. But uh, to me, just the fact that um, he's just so well known and, and well rounded and kind of all over the place, um, he's my vote for Indie Wrestler of the Year. Let, let me add my two cents to that, too. I like, I like that pick. And the reason why I like it is for all the reasons you said, and to add one thing is that Ricochet arguably is in talks for match of the year with at least three different matches. And the most well-known match is the Ricochet versus Will Ospreay match that broke the internet, which made Vader get a little emotional, but that's not how wrestling is. And a lot of other people wanted to speak up. But when you can do that, you can make legends, Hall of Famers, speak up about your quality style of match. You can make ESPN, um, not show you on SportsCenter, show you on the uh, Dan Libertar show and stuff like that. You're doing something right. And Ricochet, like you said, I would not be surprised if he's not in the WWE very soon. And all his matches he had in the um, Battle of uh, LA, if you guys have never seen, I think I've posted it on our uh, Facebook page. The, the dude is, he's, he's insane. He's, mm-hmm. he's insane. So I definitely can see why you would want to pick that. And the only reason why I didn't pick, pick him, I went with the Young Bucks, is because, again, for the reasons, these guys got too much gold, too much gold around their waist. So relevant, so fun. They've also had some um, match of the year uh, quality matches as well. And they're very popular. Um, their merch is crazy. And they're part of the Bullet Club. And I think, you know, they deserve it um, as, as, a, as a stable. Um, me personally, my heart was telling me Chris Hero because of the body of work and the, the matches I've seen him do. But I, I tipped it over to the Young Bucks because of um, the championship, them having championship gold. And the reason why I didn't go with Cody Rhodes is because Cody Rhodes de- uh, debut um, August 19th, which I consider to be too late in the year to give him mm-hmm. a whole year worth of award. He did not have a great start of the year in WWE, if you remember, as yep. Stardust still. And then he, you know, he went out on his terms, which was ballsy, you know. He bet on himself, and he came up the victor for sure. But just as an overall year, just not enough. 2017, it, it could be a no-brainer <laughs> right now, the way how he's starting off. So um, not yet for Cody for me on that note. But um, Sounds good. Sellers, to your category, which I misspelled, right? Wrong. Because just yeah, it's all good. But um, the Silly Moment of the Year award, and you want to put any emphasis on what this category means. Yep. So, of course, my name is Celis, but this is like a self-proclaimed nickname I gave myself. And this is back to the AOL days when we all had AIM. I was like, <laughs> I want to get something creative. So I came up with Silly Celis because sometimes I say things that's like very silly. I was like, let me start with a C and not with an S because, of course, Celis starts with a C. So that's why I came up with that moment. So sometimes throughout our podcast, I have Silly Moments. Um, and this is basically where it's the craziest or funniest thing that you can think of that happened in WWE throughout the year. Most of us put the list because if we can all agree, the list was a great uh, segment, something additional. Chris Jericho had, you know, put in and it's very, very entertaining how he used it. Um, our members that think um, a little bit differently Two change. You want to go ahead and put what you, what you said, even though the list is involved with it, but you have something specific. Yeah, okay, so first Aaron put the final deletion fireworks display. First of all, I just watched the end of the year TNA show, 
and the fireworks display was absolutely insane nuts. It should never have happened. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. So I definitely can see why he picked that. But I specifically picked the point when Jericho used the list, and that's when he put um, J- James Ellsworth on it. And this was this was kind of recent, actually, when um, during the invasion, when SmackDown came to Raw episode. And after everybody kind of like squared off and, um, you know, little uh, matches and uh, little matches, little fights going on around the ring. Oh, was it before? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was before um, when everybody kind of lined up on their side. And before they started mm-hmm. fighting, um, Jericho was kind of backing up Kevin Owens at the time. But um, all of a sudden, Jericho, they zoomed the mic on Jericho and Jericho turned back and said, what is that? It, it, I I quote Jericho said, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> the camera zoomed back, and it was James Ellsworth. And he said, <laughs> "You just made the list." And he said, "Look like somebody lost their child at ringside." The joke that he put at James Ellsworth was so like I never laughed so hard. And James Ellsworth, if he can settle anything besides his fake injuries, is his heart being broke. And it was freaking hilarious. So. That was definitely my silly <laughs> moment of the year. Awesome. D, uh, D. Wayne or Marcus, did you want to add anything or, uh, about uh, the list as well? Did you want to add why <laughs> it was great for you? The, the list is just epic. And you'll see that a lot of my answers include this. Because <laughs> it's just epic to me. Like, it, it beat, Chris Jericho beat this the most watched sex. Like, we look forward to Raw sometimes just to yeah, the list was more over than a lot of the people on the WWE roster. Right. So, uh, that was an easy answer for me. Yeah. Um, so do you want to go ahead and finish out this middle section before we get to our main event? Uh, two chains. We got the Broken Cafe moment of the year, botch of the year, and NXT rest of the year. You want to group those together? Yeah. Okay, so the Broken Cafe moment, everybody knows what that means, basically. Um, I'll just I start off with mine. Um, first of all, the more sensible answer here I had was Randy Orton when uh, he went to check on Shane McMahon kids, and um, this was after Shane McMahon took um, a spear in, in the Survivor Series match, and he appeared to be hurt. I'm not I don't know if they ever confirmed was it real or not, but Randy Orton did go out to the side of the ring and to let. Um, Shane's kids know whatever the, the situation was, even if he was okay or it wasn't real or whatever it was. But it was a heartfelt moment because I really thought Shane was really hurt and he, it, it did look like a nasty bump. So I appreciate that. But um, <laughs> my unsensible moment for K- Broken KFA moment of the year was the whole feud between Sin Cara and Chris Jericho. And that's <laughs> basically between Chris Jericho and them having a backstage fight um, the social media like uh, jabs they've been taking at each other, and that's that's including videos and everything. And to the best and final stint, a stint of it is when Chris Jericho interfered in the Kevin Owens Seth Rollins match as a masked uh, luchador in Sin Cara's <laughs> mask, and it didn't even dawn on to me at first who it was. I was like, wait a minute, like what's happening? Then I was like. Oh my God, that is Sin Cara's mask, and that is Chris Jericho, and it broke the internet. Freaking hilarious. I mean, everybody, everybody was tweeting about it, and 
Uh, it was, it's Chris Jericho, man. What can you say about him? The dude, the dude is great, and that 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 definitely was you know my moment for it. Um, yes, yes, the botch of the year. Oh my god! Every time I think about that, this this just makes me makes me say, uh, Doctor Doctor M. To your note too, um, that Enzo when he got hurt was was doing uh, Money in the Bank. So for um, for my botch of the year, I have during the Money in the Bank match, Gallows. Uh, waiting for a Big E to hit him. Do you, I don't, do any of y'all remember this? I don't. I don't. Okay, so this was doing a fatal four way match with Big Cass, Enzo, the Vaughn Villains, uh, the New Day, and the Club, right? And Big E um, had um, Anderson in the big ending, and basically Gallows was just like waiting and waiting and waiting and. <laughs> I'm telling you, like literally after this, go back and watch this. It was it, it didn't make no sense, and it just was a bad taste because you're like these guys deserve better. Like this shouldn't be happening, and it was just like one of those like old school like Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar type of Hulk Hogan botch. Not just it was really sloppy. It was obviously Enzo got hurt during this match. It was a sloppy match all the way around. It was it's just bad, but definitely Big E. You know, he had Anderson in the big inning, and Gallows was just waiting to hit him. And I don't know what he was waiting for. Like, he was just looking around. Like, it was, it was bad. It was bad. And uh, you said take on NST Wrestler of the Year? Just a round of that middle section before we get to our main event. Yeah, stuff. okay. Um, let's come back to this one so we can top off because that's a big award. Yeah, you that's guys award? go with the – yeah. Go back. Okay, Dr. Yeah. M, you want to go up next? All right, so – Broken kayfabe moment of the year. Um, I, uh, I went with um, TNA, Dixie, Carter, and Billy Corgan. Um, and the reason I say that is because um, it's really hard for me to pay attention to TNA. But what I was able to look at you know, a few months ago, um, it seemed like Billy and Dixie were like partners or okay on TV, but you know, behind the scenes, obviously they're fighting about money and who, who controls TNA. Right. And of course that spilled on Twitter and that there was that big kind of blow up a couple months ago with Billy Corgan, you know, suing TNA. Right. And so um, of course that was all available for all us wrestling fans to see. So that was my vote for broken kayfabe botch of the year. This was my favorite category. Um, my botch of the year is Global Force Wrestling, the whole company. The whole promotion? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's two for Jeff Jarrett now. <laughs> the, reason, the reason, or the reasons I say that is because, um, first of all, they must have known I picked them because one of the reasons I picked them is that it wasn't that long ago, maybe just a couple months ago, that if you were to look on their roster page, they still had people on there that are currently employed by WWE. They had DIY on their roster. They had the Bollywood boys on their roster. The Bollywood boys who I think were the Global Force Wrestling Tag Team Champions when WWE signed them, so I don't know how that worked. Um, And so their roster was all sorts of messed up. And then, if I remember correctly, it was sometime late last year when there was the announcement that GFW got a TV deal and they had like actually had TV tapings at some arena uh, out West. And I was actually excited because like I said, I struggled to pay attention to TNA um, and I was excited to see 
some different promotion, you know, get their shot on national TV. But where are they? <laughs> I have been waiting for that TV show for over a year now. I've looked on YouTube. I've looked everywhere. Don't see any evidence of any TV shows being filmed. So for me, GFW is the botch of the year. Oh, man, I'm just looking at their roster to make sure nobody was still on there that's, that wasn't supposed to be on there. You, oh, you there's Trent. You bring up some great points. I forgot all about that, especially the TV deal thing. Because I was getting really excited, too, especially when they did that show in Vegas and they said they got, like, sold a sold-out crowd. I was like, okay, there's something yeah. new. So, yeah, well-deserving Global Force, Chef Jared. Wow. Go ahead, D-Wayne. What, what about your two? Your Broken k and Botch. All right, so the Broken k of course, is something that's probably near and dear to my heart because when you have kids ringside and you, and, you know, you see their dad in a move that looks like they can get seriously hurt, you know, you're trying to make sure, like, kids can feel that stuff, they can sense that stuff. So right in the morning, checking kids that, you know, that was the Broken k most of the year for me. Now the... The other, the other category being, um, I, I picked the whole person. Yeah. Even Marie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything about you is just a botch to be from the, and you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, even Marie is not coming out tonight because of such and such. Well, hi, Eve Marie. You were on suspension. Now, where are you? Botch. She goes <laughs> in the ring. Bots. <laughs> like everything, everything about her, everything about her is just a bot. So that's my botch again. Even Marie, she can she uh, can sell anything. She can't. She can't. Uh, my broken K fake moment has to do with Even Marie partially, and also Roman Reigns, and specifically their suspensions. Um, you saw this go in two different ways because when Even Marie had her summer or vacation or whatever, we haven't seen her since, and that was a stint off a of suspension. And I guess she did a movie, but she still hasn't been back yet. So I don't know what's going on with that. And even Roman Reigns suspension. I mean, WWE needs to get consistent on why they're suspending these, uh, these wrestlers. Is it for Adderall? Is it for steroids? Is it for marijuana? What is your guideline for your wellness policy? Because it seems to be very inconsistent. And it seems to be very inconsistent of how sometimes you want to use it in storylines. And it seemed like Roman Reigns had to go, okay, he had to be buried per se away when the draft happened so it's like we still remember he was suspended but it was supposed to be a big draft pick that you was trying to push up so i just think that's an unfairness once again i know it's not going to be a fair comparison to say roman reigns and eva but you have to be consistent with your wellness policy because if you want to think about it it's one more suspension he's supposed to be terminated so we just have to keep that in mind of what they're doing with these uh suspensions and what their wellness policy uh entails of and once again, my bot of the year. Can I, can I add something to that, too? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. And it just reminds me, like, too, Roman Reigns, when he got suspended, right, they made sure he was still on that pay-per-view that he yes. was supposed to defend or fight for the championship. Titus O'Neil missed WrestleMania with no attempts to try to work that out for him. Or, right. even, or even try to disguise his um, his um, his uh, suspension. Yep. Marie blasted her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Roman Reigns kind of like tried to. They didn't even call him Roman Reigns in the article. Sort of said he used the, they used his real name at a mm-hmm. at a moment. 
So it's like they're really protecting him, and it's very inconsistent. But so yeah, to your point for sure. And definitely for my um, and and for my botch of the year, Apollo Creed's call up. And I'm yes, I said Apollo Creed's call up. I can't even call him Apollo Cruz right now. He's going to be referred as Apollo Creed until he gets <laughs> his act together. So that's a botch of the year for me. Uh, just his call up. Um, wrong time right after WrestleMania. It's just no hey. I, I I vote that it's disrespectful to the Rocky character, Apollo Creed. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. You just disrespected the whole Rocky series. Right? I don't know. Daniel Bryan got away with it, so it's it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, at this well, point, Daniel can do what I can do. It doesn't even matter what his name is. If he was doing something right and relevant, nobody would make make the mistake. But a dead Apollo mm-hmm. Creed is doing more than the alive Apollo Cruz currently. Right. So. Um, okay, so in this, did we did we did we go over everybody? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So um oh for Aaron's for Aaron's answers, he had for broken K Fade, the ADR and Pay Soccer for sure. Mm-hmm. And for the botch of the year, he had Big E um diving into his head. Yes, Big E needs to stop that suicide dive. He needs to him and Sasha both because the aerodynamics on their bodies um, is maybe defying, or maybe they think gravity does something different, but um, their heads are tilting straight down, and every time you're cringing, for sure. Yep. For sure. At this point, I'm not even sure if that's a botch the way Big E does it so regularly. <laughs> it might be how he wants to execute it, you know? Right. But um, NST Wrestler of the Year, we already know yep. what that means. I want to start with Silly Sellers on this one. <laughs> so two chains. I, 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 you said this, I think, early in the podcast. I don't know if it's sometimes this year, sometimes last year. But you are so on point. Anytime you have a gimmick where you're using your hands, you're going to be over. Ty yeah. Dillinger, when you just look at the way he's been in WWE, out of WWE, in different promotions, to be back on NXT and to be literally one of the underdog Daniel Bryan type ones in NXT, and everybody's ready for him to call it with the Big Ten chant. Like, every time you see Raw now, and every time a referee gives the 10 count outside, everybody just says 10. We're not going one through 10. We just say 10. That means you are super over. And not only are you super over, you're showing how well you are in the ring. That match that he did against Bobby Roode at the last uh, NXT TakeOver was actually a great match. And I was rooting for Ty Dillinger to win. Of course, it wasn't the time for him to win. But this is showing me why he should be ready to come up to that next level and maybe like a mid-card champion that could compete for the U.S. title or that could compete against the uh, Intercontinental title if you want to bring him on SmackDown. And I think just from the growth that he's done from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, yet he has never won a championship in NXT. He probably won't by the time he leaves, but just his growth is why I have to give him that NXT wrestler of the year. Let me throw a segue in there real quick. If the rumors is true that they're f- afraid of Ty Dillinger c- coming up to the main roster because of how the 10 chance can overthrow a match, yep. w- will he be in your most unfortunate circumstance category next year? He might. He might. He really might. Cause he's, I but mean, I have to give him credit for what he's wrong. He's not a new fish or a new cat in town. So, he, you know, he's, no. he's definitely ready. The gimmick's ready. Um... And there's more, and this is not even a gimmick that you can say I, I'm not sure if it's going to work on the main roster because it's working on the main roster. The main roster right now. Yeah, so you know, I expect to see him come up soon. I would love to see him in the Andre the Giant Memorial. Hmm. I would love that too. Hmm. Anywho, 
um, yeah. for Aaron, uh, Dr. M, and D-Wayne all have the same answers here. Yeah, of course. I mean, well, I, I actually contemplated Joe, but I mean, I'm going with the, the obvious answer, the person who has the title right now, Nakamura, um, from his from the beginning at NXT TakeOver Dallas, that, that electric vibe that he gives from Sami Zayn was excellent. Then you have his feud with Samoa Joe. It's just like everything about Nakamura this year to me made it very easy for me to have him NXT wrestler here. Yeah, he literally came in and took over. <laughs> like literally took over. And uh, I mean, I, I, everyone seems to at least like him, right? He's a legit baby face, which you don't have um, too many of those nowadays. So uh, he definitely got my vote. And the reason why I'm going against the grain here <clears throat> is because Samoa Joe is a heel. So there's nothing likable about him. His music is mm-hmm. his music is cool, but it ain't like you know, no special interest is. He doesn't get all that hoopla, but he he gets the job done. So let's remember when Samoa Joe first won the NST championship. He beat Finn Balor at a house show that broke the internet. Broke the internet to a point where they had to show the match. When has that ever been done? When a house show has to be shown because of the result of a championship match. So... Arguably, the hottest superstar in NXT this year was Finn Balor until Sensei Nakamura came. So, Shimoa Joe has beat Finn Balor and Sensei to become the first two-time NXT championship. Of course, Sensei is going to win it in his hometown, Osaka, in Osaka, or the, map, the show was in Osaka, Japan. He's not from Osaka, Japan, but it was in Japan, whatever. But, you know, that was a match he arguably was just going to have to lose. But nonetheless, Samoa Joe beat the two hottest NXT stars this year as a heel, respectable, clean, and is everything you want your heel to be. And I that's why he's my NXT wrestler of the year. That's a good point. Very, very good point. But on, on that note, though, we're talking about Nakamura. All of us agreed here that we had for our uh, best special match, special event match entrance. I know that sounded kind of like a tongue twister, blah, blah, blah. But whoever had the best entrance a special entrance for a pay-per-view or whatever it may have been. And all of us agreed down the line that Nakamura NST TakeOver Brooklyn 2 with the um, violinist was was nuts, right? To see it live was crazy. You can't justify talking about it. You just have to watch it. And like you was there too, change. If you was live, it was even greater than seeing it on, on, on TV. So it, it, it does no justice to explain it. Just go watch it. It is it, worth the watch. Literally, it takes... A, two superstars as Samoa Joe and Nakamura to, to wrestle after that with how riled up the crowd was after that entrance. Like, if it had to just been two average Joes, <laughs> pun intended, <laughs> it wouldn't have been a good match because everybody was so hyped, still humming the song, head bobbing and everything. Like, it was it was nuts. Um, where are we going next, Sellers? Well, well, just like you said, the one-hit wonder award, everybody was pretty much the same. We said all Apollo Crews slash Apollo Creed, second my head, um, of of what we thought that was a one-hit wonder. Once again, great splash. He has a background of everybody knew who he was, but just failed to maintain. Um, So we can go ahead and move on to best babyface and best heel. 
Paulo Cruz SMH. That is hilarious to me. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh yeah, best baby face. All right, somebody take it away. I think you're breaking up. Can you hear me, or Dwayne's breaking up? I don't know if person I can hear you. Go ahead, go ahead, Salas. You go ahead. Give us your answer. All right. Okay. Um, for me, best baby face as as kind of what you mentioned in the last, just a reverse where you talking about Joe uh, Nakamura, just from where he came in, everybody knew who he was. The the grand entrance since he's had and the support he has from the people, I think he's been the greatest uh, face. The best heel to me, which I expect 2017 wrestler of the year, is The Miz. The work that he's doing currently on SmackDown, he is the reason why you watch SmackDown. I know AJ Styles is the champion, but I look forward to SmackDown every Tuesday because of The Miz. And I expect huge things out of what The Miz is doing. I think what he's doing is so perfect right now. Dwayne. Sorry, so of course I'm gonna go with someone who's just naturally a face, no matter what she does, when she does it. Like she's just a face all around. Nothing about her just will ever scream heel to me. The female John Cena, Bailey, <laughs> it's, it's just ba- best baby face. It's, it's not even a question of what she is. She's she's a face, baby face supreme. I mean, even John Cena gets some heel chance. Bailey's just one hundred percent face. Yeah. Um, the best heel. Again, I told you that a lot of our stuff is going to be the dealing with the so-called Tilly giving, but it's it was funny to me. And I have <laughs> two things. I have first of all the Miz. The Miz. Agree here. It was that some. No, I wouldn't say all that. <laughs> Maybe in future. <laughs> Maybe feature, but the Miz has done some of the best heel work this year. Probably I've seen in a long time. It, it's a it's amazing how when the show was split, you saw his character just grow to a point where he can make probably any feud that he wants right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course the list. Um, it was part of that whole Jericho and KO. Best friends, heel, hillish stuff. But I think the list is just freaking awesome, and it can include be best heel because hey, nobody wants to be on the list. Hmm? Uh, uh, goddamn, who you got? Uh, so like D Wayne, I selected Bailey as the uh, best baby face. Um, D Wayne pretty much covered what I would. Um, you, there's nothing you can really dislike about her, although. When I think about Bailey, this will be a nice segue for our next categories, the best and worst gimmick, because mm. I'm curious about some of the answers y'all chose, because even though, <laughs> even though Bailey is an amazing babyface and I think the best, um, if we want to talk about gimmicks, like, <laughs> it has to be the cheesiest gimmick ever. <laughs> right, and so it works for her, and she's a great babyface. In terms of heel, um, I can definitely be convinced um, for Miz, and I think 2017 is only going to get better for him. But um, for me in 2016, the best heel was the Revival. Um, I mean, just classic heel on the mic, in the ring, you know, cheating, finding any way they could to win. I was legitimately pissed at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn when they uh, beat DIY 
And mm-hmm. so that means they did their job, right? And so um, they, they were my best heel. All right. I got a best baby face. I went with Enzo Amore here because um, he's golden on Mike. And the way how he makes kids and everybody light up is something special. Like, the crazy thing about it is the only time I actually see a whole arena light up the way they do for one particular person is when the Wyatt family come out with the lights, just because anybody could be part of that. But the Enzo entrance is so big that people are chanting for you to get into the arena. Everybody wants to do it. That's that's everybody's moment to be a super wrestling fan. And he's not even wrestling like that. He's not even he's not even doing like um legitimate like matches and stuff. In, or stuff in any way. And the, another reason why I make him a baby face is because how in the world do you become, how, how do you, how do you be a guy who messes with somebody's wife as your, you know, current feud that you're having now, but still become, and, and still be viewed as a baby face because you have <laughs> to be the best baby face to be, to let that be allowed. So right. Enzo Mora is definitely my answer here. And the reason why um, for, for best heel, I have Charlotte. It's because Charlotte is a better heel. I'm sorry, Charlotte has a is a better gimmick than the person that she that she's feuding with. And what I mean by that is that she's more of a boss than Sasha Banks is in the feud. And only way you could do that is by being a, a, the ultimate heel. She's done rid off her father, which was like one of like the worst things to see Ric Flair cry and all that other stuff. No matter if it's just <laughs> or whatever. But everything about Charlotte, the Jordan face. yeah, and then like when you think of Charlotte's like complex work of the year, she's carried matches, which we already gave her Woman Wrestler of the Year. But her mic work has been has been elevating better and better and better, and she's handled um, segments way better than who could have ever imagined. And um, the reason why I pick her over the, the Miz is because she she's just doing something. I, I will say the Miz picked up towards the end of the year, but Charlotte's been consistent each all year and be, and just been getting progressively better and better. So, and you you watching Charlotte for Mike work? I I, I don't know, man. Charlotte Charlotte all all the all day on that one. And Aaron um, put uh, Nakamura and Rusev as his best baby face in here respectively. Um, and I guess Rusev has had a good year based on his heel work as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I appreciate Rusev for sure on that one. Let's go here. Let's put them all three together with, like, uh, Dr. Emerson. I'm going to feed it right back to you, Dr. M. It's going to be worst gimmick, best gimmick, and let's go best finisher. Um, so worst gimmick. Go ahead, Dr. M. Go ahead with those three. Worst, best gimmicks, and then your best finisher. Let's hear what you got to say. Start off as you're going to be interested to see what we got. All right. For worst gimmick, um, I had something else before, and I forgot what it was, but – an episode of SmackDown made me change my mind. And so worst gimmick goes to the hype bros. I, just, <laughs> I, I don't get it. I can't stand it. Right. Um, it, it just seems very forced. Right. And I, they don't get a reaction from the crowd. Um, I think the only reason what's his name, Mojo Raleigh even has a job is because he was paired with Zack Ryder. Cause if not, I would imagine he'd be future endeavored soon. Yep. And so, I don't know. It just doesn't work, uh, at least for me. Uh, best gimmick uh, for me was uh, in TNA with uh, the Decay and Rosemary in particular. 
Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, like when I do have a chance to sit down and watch TNA, one of the things I'm always interested in is seeing the decay. Uh, I just think they pick the perfect wrestlers to be in that stable, and they all like really live those characters. And so, uh, for me, that was the best. I agree, sir. Uh, best finisher. Um, I thought a long time about this, but every time I see Ember Moon do that top rope stunner, mm -hmm. and so um, I mean, it's a lot of good finishers out there, but. To think about you know all that is involved in that finisher and how precise she has to be when she comes off that top rope. Um, so for me, it's, it's Ember Moon Stunner. Awesome. Uh, so here's what I want to do for D Wayne. Hold on, what, what? Hello. Yeah. <laughs> We're here. All right. So what category are we on right now? We're doing worst gimmick, best gimmick, and best finisher. But D Wayne, I know you're going to explain my worst gimmick. Um, because that you have the same thing I had, so you go ahead and explain it. And I bet you whatever you say is gonna be my answer. I guarantee it. I I hated TJ Prep. It was just like I hated the whole video game that I hated the way he came out. I felt like his his gimmick was just too cheesy. Like it was just he comes out, he does his little dancing. Oh my god, I'm Super Mario. Blah, 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 yada yada. <laughs> Horrible. Like I was like, who is this dude? Why they make him champion? It was just so bad. I hated it. I wish W W Creative would just go somewhere and figure out what they want to do with this person because that's how bad I hate it. This he was part of the reason why I hate it because of him. He one person. That's how bad his gimmick was. <laughs> and your best gimmick and your best finisher. Okay, so my best gimmick, of course, is bracket broken Matt Hardy, and I guess that goes. People have explained this before, and it was just that it was just that easy. He played it to the best of his capabilities. Um, now, best finisher, I would go with something that is near and dear to my heart. I think it's amazing. It's it's because it's done with so much ease and so much power, and it seems like he can fling anybody with it. I'm going with Brock Brock Lesnar's F5. It's just amazing. Like, it's just so easy to him. And that's what makes it even more legitimate to me. Awesome. Two chains? Um, okay. So, worst gimmick, right? <laughs> I have Darren Young and Bob Backlund, the whole make Darren Young great again. Um, it failed. With a, yes. Sadly. Um, Sadly. It's, it failed for a zillion reasons. First of all, when you have a Hall of Famer as Bob Backlund and the energy that he brings up, and Darren Young, significantly younger, can't even keep up with that, fail number one. Fail number two is obvious. Darren Young is not great again. <laughs> so that never happened. Number three, you ran into the Titus train, and you somehow got put in the same swindle and put in the doghouse as well, and that horrible feud that happened, with them too. Um, so you repackaged them. Darren Young rehab, did all that work just to have nothing to do. They make this, they, they do this, and nothing. Amounted to nothing. Not even on pay-per-views, barely see them on Raw. Jesus Christ. It's it, an epic fail. Broken Matt Hardy is the reason why people watch TNA, is the reason why he is, um, he has the best gimmick. It is great. Um, the the last TNA special that they had was called the um, 
What was it called? Was it called the deletion? No, no, no. The total nonstop deletion? Yeah. yeah, that. Whole show down in Cameroon, North Carolina, hosted by Jeff, uh, Matt Hardy, with his son, with, uh, with the droid. Like, the, 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 excuse me, the delete chance. This guy is the, TNA owes him a lot right now. Like, he is TNA, and he deserves it, and it's, it's cool. It's over. You hear it all across different platforms. Granted, nobody watches TNA, but, yes, when you do watch TNA, you are going to see Broken Matt Hardy, and it's becoming a thing all over. And giving him kudos to making appearance, the appearance he made at the All Weight Show, which also broke the internet as well. So Broken Matt Hardy, definitely unique, and it was just, it was entertaining. And for um, best finisher, I had I have two. I have Baron Corbin's The Inner Days because I freaking love it and it's executed so tight and that spot that they just had on SmackDown was nuts. And then my other one, I have the Hammerlock Arm Snap. Now, if you're not familiar, if you haven't watched Lucha Underground, this is Pentagon Jr.'s finisher. And for him, the the, the gimmick that he has and, and it's being like all super heel, sort of say, to have a move that basically when he does this, it breaks the person's arm, sort of say, I think it's the epitome of what a heel should have. The ultimate move that deads, that, you know, that finishes you off. There's no getting back up from it. So I like how that's all put together and how it's executed. So that's why I went with that and, one. And for me, I'm going to save my um, – talk about Matt Hardy a little bit. He was my best gimmick, but I'm going to save him for later, and it's going to be worth it. But my worst gimmick was also TJ Perkins' video game. But let me add something that you said, uh, 2 Chain. Mm-hmm. I think – I will say the end of days, even though I didn't put it down, I would say the end of days now because if we saw on SmackDown what we had in that championship match in which um, that match was great, and that end of days that got turned in with the zigzag, that move was executed brilliantly. Yeah. And I, I am really high on him, Baron Corbin now. At first I was kind of shaky about him, I know, but I'm really high on him. He should be a world champion soon. I don't know how soon, but he shows that he can go in the ring. But my favorite finishing move is the pop-up powerbomb. I think later down the line, that's going to be the next move out of nowhere, where if it's executed properly, to be able to throw that pop-up powerbomb out of nowhere. Like, if somebody just, like, throw themselves off the rope, pop-up powerbomb. It doesn't have to be executed where he throws them to the pop-up powerbomb. Um, I think that's where it can go, and that's why I'm doing it based on potential why that's my favorite move. My ultimate favorite move of all time, if he still was wrestling, was uh, would be the Canadian Destroyer, hands down. But that move hasn't been executed in a while since Petey Williams is not really wrestling like that. Mm-hmm. I can't really um, input that in there, but pop up Powerbomb for sure. Yeah. Um, now we can go to worst and best wrestling shows of the year. We could probably go one word on the um, on the worst wrestling show. Um, you can elaborate on your best wrestling show. Two chains. I'm gonna actually go to throw it back to you. What was your worst and best wrestling show? Because you actually been to a lot of wrestling events this year. Um, but these are strictly pay-per-views, though, that we're going to talk about. Right. Um, for Okay, so for Worst Wrestling Show or uh, Pay-Per-View of the Year, I went with Fastlane. And the reason why I went with Fastlane is for one particular segment. I'm, I'm sorry, no. I, I'll be lying to say one particular segment. First of all, it was just an overall bad car. But one thing that really stuck out to me during this pay-per-view was, um, if you guys remember the Cutting Edge show where the New Day were faces and it was versus the League of Nations, if you don't recall how bad of a segment that was to basically make the New Day, put the New Day over his faces, and it epically failed, 
I have no. For, I think they was trying to promote their other show that was on the WWE Network, but it was so bad. Not to mention with one of the worst stables of this year that actually did happen. The the um the League of Nations. Everything about that was just really bad. But the card was bad, sloppy. Um, a lot of I forget what the finish of the the end of the pay per view was, but it was just overall just a bad card and yeah, terrible. And I'm sorry. And for my oh. best wrestling show of the year, uh, NSC Takeover Dallas. Um, I think I think that's self explanatory, right? <laughs> it was oh, just, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I mean, arguably, every every match was at least an A minimum. Nakamura Nakamura debut was awesome. It was, yeah, NST Take on Dallas, best pay-per-view this year by far. What about you, D-Wayne? You had, you had the same answers as uh, 2 Chains. Anything else you want to add to that? Um, no, actually, 2 Chains said it right. I mean, those two pay-per-views are, for worst and best are very self-explanatory. I mean, if you see them, if you, have, if you was there in person or you've seen them, I picked Fastlane for the worst and NXT TakeOver Dallas for the best. Yeah. And Dr. M, you have something a little bit different, a different NXT show that you want to say is your best of the year and a different pay-per-view that was your worst that might surprise some people. So um, my worst pay-per-view of the year is SummerSlam. Um, and I struggled to say that because the Cena and AJ Styles match was excellent. Mm-hmm. But um, – that was also, first of all, the pay-per-view was too long. I'm not a fan of WWE trying to stretch now other pay-per-views outside of WrestleMania to four hours. Four hours, right. So it was too long. This was also the pay-per-view where the Universal Championship was introduced. Um, yep. Completely overshadowed what should have been a great match between Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. Um, and... Then this was the, the Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton um, showdown, which, I mean, that whole story to me was a little bit rushed. And mm-hmm. um, I, I just didn't like the match at all. I don't think the match was, was very good. And so while there, was so there were some bright spots on that card, certainly, but they, they don't outweigh <laughs> those, those issues for me. And then um, best show of the year, NXT TakeOver Dallas. To me, TakeOver Toronto edged it out just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, when you start a pay-per-view with a choir singing Bobby Roode song... Oh, I mean, man, that was awesome. You know how you can beat that, right? And then... It was the glorious. Great, and the, the great match with uh, Revival and DIY, right? We see Mickey James come back. Uh, great performance from Nakamura and Samoa Joe. I mean, to me, that it just edged out Dallas just a little bit. Okay, you can go with either one for sure. Um, for me, I had to tie between Takeover Dallas and uh, Brooklyn because of what uh, Dr. M just kind of mentioned with uh, the glorious entrance. I felt the same way about the Nakamura entrance. Um, of course, by us being at NXT Takeover uh, Dallas, that was great by itself. And then I put TLC. I, I graded this potentially because I knew the card was going to be so predictable. Um, the best match of the me was the the Alexa Bliss match. Um, oh, that, that was my my highlight of the night. But still, the whole pay per view was just so predictable. The Nikki Bella match uh, with Carmella, it was just it was terrible. Um, it it could have been done much. Better. It 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 wasn't that um, tasting to me. So that's why I went there for my worst. 
pay-per-view of the year. Um, now we're going to another best and worst, and this is going uh, to be I just uh, to best say, and worst. Oh, go ahead. I just want to say, and the reason why I think I want Dallas over Toronto, just a tad bit, is the American Alpha revival match and the mm-hmm. Sinsuke Nakamura and Sami Zayn match both could be considered match of the year candidates. True. And uh, we got Austin Aries debut this this one uh, this pay per view as well versus Baron Corbin. And and then on the contrary, on Toronto we had um, the Authors of Pain versus Tiop sixty one, which had amazing spots for sure. But I think that match quality, um, first of all, for it to be verse for the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic, I think it was a good spot for them to win, but. That tournament entirely was just a way overlooked, and it just it, this was just like a thing that happened, sort of say. So just a little bit momentum taken back from that, but no big deal. You can't. You could go right with either one. All right. Awesome. Let's go to best and worst announcers, and I'll go ahead and start with this one. This is basically who we felt was great, and this has been a lot of changes in announced team with the new shows being added, with people being taken away. Um, just trying to go through a new genre, a new era for for announcers. My worst announcer was David Otunga. Now, granted, <laughs> we thought this dude was going to have some type of resurgent. You're being an announcer now. But you just need to stick to that I'm a lawyer gimmick that you used to have with your, your bag and, or your briefcase and your, your tea or coffee that you used to drink. Talk less. Just go to a courtroom if you want to talk. But actually, my favorite has been Corey Graves. Um, I know Michael Cole has been put up for, I'm not going to say he was best or worst for some people, but I think Corey Graves, just based on how he had to and – and I'm still excited that I got a chance to see this guy in Upper Marlboro live when he was touring with SmackDown back. Um, it was great to see him wrestle because he was a great wrestler. And it was great to see that he found something to do after he was forced to retire. And I think he's taken this journalistic aspect of talking and journalistic aspect of commentating and taking it to the next level. And I think he's really done a great job. And it'll be fun to see him and JBL bicker back and forth if they was on the same show um, with Morrow, if that, if that was possible. And I would love to see, see that if possible. Um, but I think Corey Graves is really uh, – who wants to take it next? I'll go. Morrow, obviously, uh, for the reason um, – well, not for the reason you said, but Morrow for the reasons that he's very popular. I like the way he called, like, his um, urban take on it. He's um, very exciting. And um, I like how he calls wrestling is just as enthusiastic as he calls boxing. So I'm, I'm very, very accustomed to that. And um, mm-hmm. for worse announcers, Michael Cole, because he's been doing it for so long, yet he still reads off papers. He can't get names right. Um, he doesn't call wrestling. And um, he, Mr. Uh, obvious, Captain Obvious, because he just say things that we already know. He, he shoves down storylines down your throat. He has to let you know that, you know, if this was relevant at the point, Baron Corbin is the Andre the Giant Memorial winner at least five times during the match. And it's just like, you know, you've been doing this so long. You should be the platform that everybody wants to reach. Yet, Morrow comes in only for a year and already exceeds you in my eyes, you know. And Corey Graves for that. So, those are my best and worst. Awesome. Yeah, I went with Morrow. I went with Morrow for best. Um he he can't really be topped in my eyes right now. David Otunga for worst. <laughs> um, I've tried with him. I've tried, but he like he has not gotten better. Like you're supposed to improve when you get a job, right? And since he's been on commentary, it's been at least a few months now, and it 
is consistently bad. So for me, he's worse. <laughs> what about you, D-Wayne? Man, Otunga is the worst thing ever. I thought Michael Cole was bad. It's, it's just so sad. They fall and bounces everywhere. Um, for my best, I have to go with Corey Graves. I mean, I was big on him when he was in NXT and everything. And he, he came up, and it's just amazing what he's done. I think he, you can tell he still has room to grow. He'll be the best announcer that WWE has. Hey, hey Silas, who did you, what did you have for your uh, worst pay-per-view? Did I miss that? Uh, the worst pay-per-view was uh, TLC. Oh, you stuck with that. Okay. Yeah, I stuck with, I stuck with it. I, I put it potentially, but I, I went ahead and stuck with it as the worst one. I, I actually thought pay-per-view was actually decent. On the contrary, actually. I know it had the looks of going into it bad, but very well. All right, what's, what we got next? Um, next, I had moved Master of the Year up a little bit, trying to save that for a little bit later. But let's go to um, Best Non-Wrestler and then Rookie of the Year. Um, so two positives. So Best Non-Wrestler, meaning like managers, owners, et cetera, and Rookie of the Year. Um, for me, I put Paul Heyman as my um, – that's non-wrestler. Anytime he does something, especially with this Brock versus Goldberg, I was not sold on it, but he's selling it from his perspective, and he's not even on TV every week. Um, so I just got to give it to him. Year in, year out, he, he always knows what to do. And for Rookie of the Year, I put this at the aspect, if they're Rookie of the Year, meaning under one year in WWE or under one year on Raw and SmackDown, She's not a rookie in the whole WWE. She's been in uh, SmackDown for less than a year because she just got drafted. But Alexa Bliss, no way did I see this girl coming out as being one of the people that could be a potential woman to be your champion. And she showed me a why she should be the champion. And she's been doing an excellent job. So Alexa Bliss. Cool. D-Way? All right. So, y'all, people go to kill me for this one. But who cares? <laughs> Um, <laughs> the, the, my manager of the year or best non-wrestler of the year, I mean, let's go with the, the logical choice for me is Paul Heyman because just sell anything that he's like a car salesman. He can sell you a beat up car and it, it just, he'll make it great. <laughs> everything he does, everything about Paul Heyman is great. And I feel like the WWE should put more people under him. Also put the list because hey, I love the list. I like it. And you know, it was so funny because the, the list was introduced this year on Raw. Hit, <laughs> hit, rookie of the year is the list as well. Like the list is just so but if I if I had to actually pick a, a wrestler or wrestling, I would probably go with what majority of people have said, put um, DIY. They had an amazing year. And it's just the their potential. Honestly, they if if creative wants to do wants to bring out the best in them, they can be the face of the tag team division on the main roster. If they if if creative really wants that. So they're amazing. But of course, you know, to me the list is just amazing. <laughs> All um, right, I, got him. Oh, go ahead. Uh, so, best non wrestler was even for me as well for the reasons uh, Silly Sons and D Wayne said. Um, and then, 
uh, best, I'm oh, sorry, rookie of the year was uh, DIY for me. Uh, just thinking about where they started at when they first got here to now being the tag team champions, um, that was a no-brainer for me. Yep. All right. Teacher. I went with Daniel Bryan. I thought he called the CWC really good this year. I, I've, I feel like he reinvented himself to, to still be relevant, even though, um, you, as you can see from Total Bellas and Total Divas, that he was, you know, kind of suffering from not being a wrestler. Um, with that being said, I thought I also thought that the work that he put on those two shows to invite everybody into his personal life was deep. Um, and then to become the SmackDown uh, manager as well as – you know, his segments in, um, what's it called, Talking Smack, was all things that I thought he handled pretty good considering what he says he, you know, personally deals with. Um, and he's still relevant. And uh, this feud that he has with The Miz has actually been pretty hot as well, too, which is, uh, you know, creating a desire to see him wrestle again. So for him to not be wrestling but to really do all of that, to still want to have him to be wrestled, to want to still see him, I think it's very creative on his half and uh, why I would give him that award. And the DIY, I gave them the award too because, you know, they won the Dusty Rose Classic last year. Um, they had a one heck of a match in the CWC against each other and to win the NXT Tag Team Championships um, against the Revival in a classic match of its own uh, is well-deserving. Who would have ever thought for these two guys? Excellent. So this is what I want to do next is we're getting close to the end, but for these next 10 ones, which I will list first, uh, worst show of the year, best show of the year, talking about Raw, SmackDown, Live, et cetera, most underrated, most overrated, best cruiserweight or high flyer, best technical wrestler, most charismatic, best interviews or promos, most improved tag team of the year. Um, I want to hold those as like your 10 seconds. So if you can explain in 10 seconds or less when you, you know, when it's your time to talk and just go through them quickly, because we want to save some time for the top five that we have. Start with match of the year, worst feud, uh, feud of the year, MMA fight of the year, wrestle of the year, because I want more of our time to dedicate to that because I know the show is getting kind of long. Yeah. Um, and I can go ahead and start it off. Um, for the worst wrestler, I mean, excuse me, worst show of the year, TNA, simple. If you don't watch it, it's not going to be relevant. Best show of the year, to me, is SmackDown Live. I thought they did a great job doing their show and branding away from Raw. Uh, most underrated wrestler, Sheamus. He had a great year, even though TMNT uh, 2 did not do great in theaters. Um, Sheamus just showed he's a great range of an actor. Most overrated is Goldberg. To me, if you do all that to Brock Lesnar, to me, that's definitely overrating you. Um, even though I know they're trying to push you high, but still think you're overrated. Uh, Brett's Cruiser rated high flyer, flyer. I think Richard Swan. I think he had a great year. He should be the champion. I hope they do more with him. Best technical wrestler, technical wrestler is Zack Sabre Jr. He really opened my eyes up in the CWC. Most charismatic is The Miz. As we explained, he's having his best heel work, and he's great at doing it. Um, best interviews and promo, and it has to do with the list as well. I'm going with D. Wayne and St. Jericho. Most improved wrestler is Rusev. I thought Rusev was going to be down at the bottom being seen a monster foul, but he's actually grown into his own above Lana in a way, surprisingly. Uh, tag team of the year, I would say the revival, and I think a lot of us are going with that. Um, and that's it. So who wants to take that next? I'll go next. Um, <clears throat> for me, worst show of the year was TNA Final Deletion. <laughs> I mean, creativity, but I don't know. I just... That didn't work. Um, best show of the year, CWC by far. Most underrated, I say this all the time, but I think it's Luke Harper. 
Uh, most overrated, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, he brings in money, but his matches are pretty much bland. Uh, best cruiserweight, go with Rich Swan. Uh, best technical wrestler, Zack Sabre Jr., for the reasons uh, Silly Sellis gave. Uh, most charismatic, I went with Nakamura. I mean, he just oozes charisma. Best interviews promo, for me, it's, that's always Paul Heyman. No one's going to top him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, most improved, I went with Heath Slater. Uh, he took that, that angle and, and really ran with it this year. Uh, Tag Team of the Year, went with a revival. Uh, for me, um, did we go to Worst Feud or are we holding off on that one? No, no, no yeah, we stopped that Match of the Year. So Match of the Year, Worst Feud, that's going to hold off for our last five. Right. D-Wayne, you ready? Hold on, you said we stopped that Match of the Year? Okay. Yeah, we're going to stop a Match yeah. of the Year. That'll be the, one of the top fives. I am, I am ready. All right, so okay. Worst Show of the Year is anything Tina related. I mean, they're horrible. Um, best show of the year. Surprisingly, as much trash as I talk about it, the CWC was actually the best show of the year. Most underrated. I had the list, of course, because I like the list, and I think you just can't get enough of it. But as far as wrestling wise, Luke Harper is absolutely amazing in the ring, and he can do so much more. And of course, it's Brock Lesnar because his matches are predictable. It's Suplex City, Suplex City, Suplex City, then Penn. Um, high Flyer of the Year. I did have Kota Ibushi, but change this and go with someone who, who isn't particularly a, a high flyer, but to me probably was the best cruiserweight, is um, Brian Kendrick. Hmm. Mm, okay. Um, most charismatic and best interview slash promo, of course, go all one-on-one is Chris Jericho. He's just amazing. He actually kind of made Raw much. Um, let's see. Most improved, Heath Slater. Mm-hmm. He took that angle of being a free agent and he ran with it. It was absolutely amazing. And of course, while a lot of people might have the revival after Tag Team of the Year because they what they've done on NXT level was great. Um, anytime that you can break a record is very significant. So I went with the New Day. Awesome. Two chains. All right. Worst show of the year. I went with the whole Dusty Road Tag Team Classic because I don't even know anybody who actually watched that. Nope. Uh, the Cruiserweight Classic was the best show of the year by far. Most underrated and still to this day and probably who knows for how much longer is Cesaro. The most overrated is Sasha Banks. She's sloppy. Um, and yes, that's it. <laughs> um, I have for the best cruise where I have Will Ospreay. I have him for a couple of reasons. One, because he's the revolution cruiserweight championship. He's the winner of the new Japan, uh, best of the super juniors. And he was the ROH, the ROH TV champ. And, um, for the reasons why Dr. M talked about Ricochet earlier, Will Ospreay is 23 years old and is doing the same thing. And he's, mm. you know, he's just you, a new young face, and I think a lot of people's going to become accustomed to him. Best technical wrestler, AJ Styles. Most charismatic, I got Kenny Omega. Best interviews and promos, I got Chris Jericho and The Miz. I, I really could not figure out which one I wanted better there. But both of them are doing their thing. Uh, most improved, I have Heath Slater as well for the same reasons um, D-Wayne said. And for um, Tad Team and I have the revival because every match they have is a classic. And if awesome. it wasn't for the revival, I don't think that American Alpha or DIY was looking as good as they do. 
because the revival is so clean, so polished. The ring IQ is A1. Like, they do things that you think, like, if I was in, I would do this. And they actually do it. All right. Know? Great so, point. So, ready for our top five. So, here we're going to start with Master of the Year. And I want to go ahead and start with uh, you two chains. Because um, <laughs> you just mentioned, uh, well, Ricochet was mentioned by uh, Dr. M, and Will Ospreay was mentioned earlier. So, go ahead as your Match of the Year. Explain why those two was your Match of the Year. This Will Ospreay-Ricochet match for the best of the Super Juniors was this match that broke the internet again. It was all over ESPN. It was all on um, Twitter and everything. And the spots was insane. It had legends and um, Hall of Famers in their feelings because they, you know, saying that's not their type of wrestling and having people calling people out for indie shows and everything. But when you watch this match, so many OMG moments. Ah, man, I'm telling you, like, insane. So um, you, you said just talk about that or go to my next ones? No, 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 just the match. Just the match. We oh, do yeah, these yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure, you know, I posted it on our page. If you haven't had a chance to see it, it's 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 like nothing you've ever seen. It's like it's like kind of like what they want to happen in the CWC more and more consistently, or maybe what Michael Cole think what a cruiserweight is basically Lucha's door style, but that's not true. But it has everything you need: technical wrestling, spots, very clean, high flying, everything. You, it's absolutely my favorite match this year. Awesome. Let's go, D. Uh, D. Wayne. Let's go with yours. So I have two matches because it was very hard for me to decide which one. I think I'm going to leave Silly Seller to explain the latter one mm -hmm. because the second one, our, my second one and his one is exactly the same, which is that Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns, Big Cass Fader four-way. Um, mm -hmm. That was a great match, and I get, I'm going to leave Silly Seller to explain. But a lot of people – may not seen this match, and if they did, they might forget about it because it happened in January of this year. Styles versus Nakamura and Western Kingdom 10. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Amazing. Like, amazing. It, the selling was on point. Technically, it was crisp and sound like, wow. It had everything that you wanted in, the, in a match. Um, I could watch mm -hmm. it over and over again. Um, but again, because it happened in the beginning of the year, a lot of people can forget about it. Yep. Uh, Dr. M, what about you? The year was uh, Kota Ibushi against TJ Perkins um, in the CWC uh, final. It was the semifinals, but on that, semifinal, on that final yeah. special. Um, just excellent match. Um, I don't recall there being one botch in that match at all. Very crisp throughout, very smooth throughout. And um, it, they built a great story that by the end of the match, I was tired. Like I had been in a match, right? <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was just great. And um, I think I loved it because, well, I loved it for a number of reasons. Obviously, uh, TJP and Ibushi really brought it in that match. Uh, but... I also have to say that Daniel Bryan and Mauro Ronaldo contributed to that match as well, just with their announcement, mm -hmm. especially toward the end. Um, D. Bry was losing his voice, and Mauro was excited like he always is. So they added a lot to the match. Um, but I also is also my match of the year candidate because um, there were some salty fans in the audience who obviously um, 
fought and wanted Ibushi to win. And when TJ won, there were some pissed off people in the audience. You ain't lying about that. <laughs> so, um, which which tells me that that Matt, those wrestlers really got everybody in that full sale arena, and I'm sure a lot of people watching at home invested in that match. And I also just liked the surprise outcome because I think most people would have imagined Ibushi would have won, even though people knew about the whole contract thing that was happening with him. Right. But uh, I just thought it was well executed from start to finish. Awesome. And mine was the Kevin, uh, Z Wayne said, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, big cast for the universal title. This has had to come because um, Finn Balor got hurt and this was a way to reign the new champion. And let me break this down a little bit. Why this was the best match for me. It wasn't because the match itself, it was because it's rare opportunities where you see storytelling on a quote unquote free TV show where it's for a title. I remember back when we were younger, some of the best title matches or, or title reign changes happened on Raw. You know, Mankind wanted, wanted on Raw, you know, you know, Rock and Stone Cold, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Some of the best title matches when you're just giving them on free TV, that's what brings your ratings, that's what pulls people in. And the storytelling of this match within itself, everybody held their own. Even Big Cass held his own in this match that, hey, you belong and you, you might be okay. Of course, Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns came in to do their thing, but when Triple H came in and gave that like stamp of approval at the time, it was just great to see that and the epic uh, fan results of everybody pouring in when they realized Kevin Owens was about to win. It was a great moment because to me, it felt like that mankind moment is somebody that was given another chance to win that title and prove what they can do. And Kevin Owens still has the belt to this moment. Now, some people may think that it's kind of been shunned by Jericho, but just the fact that he was given a chance to be the person, the top person of your quote-unquote number one show in wrestling, which is Raw, um, it was just a great moment at that time. And just the reaction was real, great storytelling. Once again, a classic moment that happened when we were kids of the belt changing hands on Raw. So that's why I put it on um, my match of the night. Oh, match of the year, excuse me. Um, uh, Aaron, Anybody had, want to add anything to that? Yeah, Aaron had Sami Zayn and Nakamura at uh, NXT TakeOver Dallas. Absolutely, for Nakamura's debut was a classic match, which is um, also Sami Zayn's um, send-off from um, NXT. So you can only imagine yes. one of the pioneers of NXT being sent off by uh, basically the handing of the torch, sort of say, for a megastar such as Nakamura. You put those two in the ring, you, you're going to get magic. And I also have for uh, some honorable mentions, I had Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens at uh, Battleground. And I also had Cedric Alexander versus Kota Obuchi from the CWC. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, let's go ahead and go to worst and best feuds of the year. We can kind of combine those two. Yeah. Um, I'll start off worst of the year off of feuds. To me, anybody, and you mentioned this uh, two change earlier, anybody versus the Dudley boys was like the worst feud of the year to me because the Dudley boys did not get a chance to put over talent like WWE wanted them to. And it was just very unfortunate because in order to put over talent, the Dudley boys needed to win some point of those feuds. Anything from the New Day and their longest reigning championship, they deserve that. But let's just say if the Dudley boys would have just won at least one of those matches, I think that would have changed the whole landscape of what the Dudley boys could have done. They could have did things for American Alpha. Maybe with the Revival came up before they left, they could have done things for them. But it just seemed like they were just squat, uh, being squashed the whole time. So anyone versus the Dudley boys was worse for me. The best few was actually Raw versus SmackDown. 
Um, if you think about the elements of what the draft was before and after, it was like a long-term storyline that had to deal with Vince McMahon. He was in, he was out, and then it kind of branded to what we are now and what Dr. M said. Uh, SmackDown actually getting more ratings than Raw within itself. It may not get the publicity like a lot of people will see, but to me, that's going to continue to be an ongoing feud, and that's why I thought it was a, the, the feud of the year. Um, two things. You want to go next to yours? Yeah, I'll take it. Um, Tyler's O'Neal versus Darren Young for World Feud. Yeah, that actually did happen, and um, both per- both part- persons lost in this feud because in a feud, somebody's supposed to win and become better, but even Darren Young with the Make Darren Young uh, Great Again gimmick, he, he failed, and Titus O'Neil was in the doghouse the entire year. So yep. the fact that they even tried to highlight this as a, a feud and giving them backstage segments with Mike Work and Titus O'Neil kind of dismissing his you know, his former tag team partner, but then becoming tag team partners with him again, but then feuding with him again all within weeks. Like, come on, man. Like, it was horribly done. And absolutely, the feud of the year is AJ Styles versus John Cena. It's the fantasy match we all been wanting when you think about who ran certain organizations and promotions. And to see a megastar such as AJ Styles come in from... um. New Japan and ROH and John Cena pretty much diss him to say like he was never a WWE guy and all this other stuff. Everything about this build, the mic work and everything was so good. The match qualities was good. Everything about it was good. It was it was must it was must watch. And you know, they highlighted a mini pay-per-views. It was just all around good for me. Dr. M, go ahead, take it away. Uh so worst feud for me was Dean Ambrose versus Brock Lesnar, which uh, culminated at WrestleMania 32, because it should have been a great feud. Um, two high-caliber stars like that. And what was it? It was a no-DQ match, right? Or something like that. It was, a, like a, it was either like an arena match or a, it was a match. Whatever the stipulations were, they did not use fight. the stipulation. It was yeah, a shoot yeah, fight. fight, yes. Yep. I think it was, um, what, like one kendo stick used and that was it, right? But, but, um, and don't forget about that fake me out, um, what, what was it, the saw that they brought out? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but, yeah, worst feud by far. Like, it should have been better than it was, and especially after hearing Ambrose talk about it on the Stone Cold podcast and how Brock didn't really want to do a whole lot in the match. Um, they both suffered for it. So, for me, that was the worst feud. Best feud, um, like two James, I'd go with Styles versus Cena. Um, great matches, and whenever you can make a simple phrase like beat up John Cena popular, I think we have some connection problems. Oh, he didn't finish? I didn't hear his oh, last part. Doctor. Oh, Are for, you still here? Yeah, still there. And you said you once, you, I, I, well, you said once you can make a, um, a phrase such as be that John Cena popular, that's where I last stopped hearing you. Okay. So basically what I was saying is that if you can make a phrase like beat up John Cena popular and trending on Twitter all the time, you know you're doing something right. So uh, for me, that was the best feud of the year. Agreed. Um, awesome. What about you, Dwayne? Yeah. 
All right, so the worst feeling of the year, of course, is Titus versus whoever that kid is. He doesn't know what he is. Darren Young, I mean, it was just boring, pointless. It's a waste of time and energy. Um, best feud of the year, of course, is Styles versus Cena. I mean, it was cool to say beat up John Cena for a while. <laughs> it's like, what are we going to do today? Beat up John Cena. <laughs> it was great. It was great. I, I, there's feuds that can match that, but nothing can top it. That one. Yeah. Um, Aaron had for worst view Triple H and Roman Reigns, and for beauty year he also had John Cena and AJ Styles. Um, going into our last two um, categories of for the year for MMA Fighter of the Year, uh, um, excuse me, we have MMA Fighter of the Year and Wrestler of the Year. So for MMA Fighter of the Year, I thought this was a no-brainer for me, but I do like. A lot of the answers here, except for one really, really questionable one. <laughs> I have Conor McGregor for any possible reasons why. First of all, if you're even not even a UFC or MMA fan, okay, first of all, let me specify why I put MMA Fighter of the Year um, in this category, considering this is more, say, a predominantly wrestling uh, award show. MMA has been, you know, synonymous with wrestling, where wrestlers are trying to do both, where there's trash talking between, you know, the two, Conor McGregor calling out wrestlers and so forth and all of that stuff. So they understand that there's a reality that they're both competitive sports and um, as any competitor, you, you want to be the best at whatever. So, um, so I thought just it was... To add, I don't mean to cut you off, but you just made my point of why my answer is a probable questionable answer. But I'll go explain. Go ahead. Do, do you think? Do you think? Yeah, so, you know, I just thought it was appropriate that, that you know, that we also highlight who we thought was our MMA fighter of the year. Um, so Conor McGregor, the most popular UFC fighter of the year. He's also grossed the most money from the UFC. He was also the only UFC fighter to, to hold two belts at the same time. Um, his walk now is popular. His trash talking, his his weigh-ins, his his filthy mouth, and everything about him. He's, he he backs it up now. Although he did lose to my man Nick Diaz, I still think overall he had a great year. And he's you know when you hear his name, you're you're going to watch. So I have Conor McGregor. Um, Aaron has, and I always say her name wrong, but Joanna Jadena. Cough, I think is how you say it. I'll, I'll, I'll correct me if I'm wrong. And the reason why I feel like he has her is because for her weight class, she's been the most dominant woman and undefeated, undisputed champion for that weight class. Whereas um, the other weight class, I'm, I'm forgetting which one is what, with Ronda Rousey and everybody, that belt has been switching hands so often. But Joanna has had her belt the entire time under the radar and single-handedly putting on impressive matches. So I see why he went there. Um, D-Wayne? Um, I went with, of course, the most obvious choice. Well, one of the obvious choices was Conor McGregor. Oh, I mean, he had an absolutely oh, even though he lost. But he had a good year. Now, hold on, that's Landon in the background. Say hi, Landon. What's up, Landon? But I call it a tie. And I'm going to point out the person that beat Conor McGregor this year, Nick Diaz. Yeah. Um, 
he's had it. Alex said he had a great year as well. Um, his his fights with Conor McGregor highlight the year to me. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm I've kind of blown that he lost the second fight. You know they cheated. But hey, <laughs> let's not let's I mean, not forget. Let's not forget too that Nick Diaz took that first fight with Conor McGregor with like a week's notice, maybe short, shorter yes. than a week, like four days, I think. Yes. Let's not forget that you beat the hottest star in four days. Yes, you definitely deserve some spotlight for that. Yeah. So I mean, those are my reasons. I want you. Buy- All right, Doctor M. I I, I want to hear this one. This makes this one so, all so much better. <laughs> so my MMA fighter of the year is Amanda Nunes. Um, and I just would like to point out that she was my choice way before she whooped Ronda Rousey. <laughs> uh, so I just want to point that out before people jump on me here. Right. Um, but I've been on the Amanda Nunes bandwagon for a while. Like um, I forgot the first match I saw her in, but it was some time ago. And, and she is a beast. Like I'm scared of Amanda Nunes. Yeah. Right. And, um, I mean, I think she's just great in the ring. And 2 Chains, I, th- I think it was you that um, posted on Facebook, uh, I think after the Rousey fight, right, that um, I think yes, one of the yes. things you said, you can't teach being Brazilian, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be I. Like, it's so true, like, with a lot of the Brazilian fighters, but especially with her, like, that's just a, an extra aspect of her that has to be overcome. Yeah. Right. And um, Ronda Rousey couldn't overcome it. A lot of women can't overcome it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's Amanda Nunes. Yeah, she she um, won the belt for Misha Tate, which wasn't really an, an impressive fight. I mean, it was a heck of a fight for her, but Misha Tate didn't show up. And uh, yeah, she just had a she had a great year when I think about it. Well, she had that Valentina fight. And the Ronda Rousey, you beat you beat the UFC's mega star that they hype up so much and make her look like like a, a measly peasant, and you're immortal. Like absolutely. All right, guys. So I know this was the MMA Fighter of the Year award, but um, obviously, Silly Stellis must have misread this as the Silly <laughs> Fighter of the Year award. <laughs> Please justify why this is this guy's your choice with only two fights. To okay. Share. All right, I picked Mickey Gall, but you explained perfectly why I picked Mickey Gall. So with that being said, which I'm just repeating what you said. Now, even though it's the dominant wrestling show, you see a lot of people in MMA and wrestlers go back and forth saying, oh, I can do MMA or I can do wrestling. And trash talking goes back and forth. Let me sign me here, Conor McGregor, whatever. So we had one person this year that wanted to do MMA, and they even had FS1 do like a little four or five-part special on yeah, I'm coming from wrestling. I'm about to train and I'm about to do something in UFC and everything because I want to try this MMA thing because I don't want to be Brock Lesnar. I just want to give the same chance Brock, Brock Lesnar does. Okay, CM Punk, you're going to get your chance. But you just prove why wrestlers wrestle most of the time and UFC fighters UFC fight because basically Mickey Gall just kicked your butt and then he cursed you out on top of that saying why he's the best person in the world. You're, the, you're my MMA fighter of the year. It doesn't have to do with who got championships, who, how many fights he did. He just proved the point of why UFC fighters fight and, or MMA fighters fight and why wrestlers wrestle. Everybody cannot do what Brock Lesnar does. And that's what makes Brock Lesnar special. Uh, in a way, CM Punk, you kind of hurt yourself of what you can do in UFC. And it kind of hurts the transformation of what future people can do because it's not going to be believed just like what Brock Lesnar did. 
Okay, well, I got a comment to that. First of all, I'm going to give Mickey Gall his uh, his credit. He had three fights this year um, against two easy opponents, and they, he won all his fights by rear naked chokes, which is really random. But, I mean, obviously, that's his bread and butter. He's going to go to it. But um, let me ask mm-hmm. you a question about that. So what you kind of thinking, you know, that's your point of a person, a wrestler's, who can't fight MMA but um, can't do wrestling and MMA at the same time. You look at CM Punk, you're like, okay, he couldn't do it. You look at Brock Lesnar, well, he won his fight, and um, he had a, you know, a okay earlier part of the year. Mm-hmm. But what about Bobby Lashley? Then think- I, I was going to get to that. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish it. I'm going to You got to put some credit on his name, too. Bobby Lashley has been pretty flawless in Bellator. I can't recall the last time I seen him lose. And he's oh, been good, he's been the good, TNA champ. He matter of fact, at one point this year, he had every belt in TNA. And that's a good point too. But even though there's a Bobby Lashley, there's still a Batista because Batista did the same thing. And Batista got out before he was going to get uh get his butt whooped because I thought he saw the writing on the wall. He's like, nah, I tried this. Let me back out for a little bit. I mean, you can do it. Some people can do it. Like a Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley is another good example. But every one or two people that can do it is not going to be 30 or 40 wrestlers that can do the same thing. Look at the uh, weight class difference of CM Punk and Bobby Lashley. In order to be that strong, you have to have some type of physique where you can carry yourself in the ring or have some type of conditioning. CM Punk was a performer. He's an athlete. He's not a fighter. He might have a Taekwondo background. I think something was like that when he first came out in WWE. But doing that for discipline and doing that for your athleticism is different from doing it to train to really hurt or potentially kill somebody. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's very different. And I think WWE needs to realize, or not WWE, it's not their fault. People need to realize you need to understand what you're getting into when you're doing wrestling, what you're getting into when you're doing MMA, because you're training for two different things. And just because you think you can perform on one basis that doesn't mean you can perform on the next basis. Because I think sometimes on the other aspect, just because you're an MMA fighter, that doesn't mean that you can do what they do in the ring. Because I don't know if Conor McGregor will know how to take a fall. I don't know if he knows how to take a bump. And if you look bad while you're doing that in wrestling, you're going to get booed. And you're going to get, you know, very, uh, what's the word I'm trying to look for? You're going to get very open. You're, you're going to be opened up to see if this is I think I am because they're two very different things. Well, Bobby Lashley's doing it, so that's all that matters. Yeah, true. <laughs> he's, that's he's, true. He's defined, he's defined what you said that can't be done. That's true. That's very true. And it will be some rare cases that can do that. Like, it's not a lot of Bo Jacksons out there, Deion Sanders that can play baseball and football at the same yeah. time. There will be rare cases. All right. And uh, the one, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, the one, no, this ain't the one, but we move on to the most prestigious and most anticipated category which is wrestler yeah. of the year. Yeah. All right. Y'all going to come back to me again. Wow. <laughs> I'll, I'll go last again. I'll go last. I, I'll go first this time. All right. All right. The rest of the year. I remember earlier this year we had a Royal Rumble. And what was it? Number three? Number three. Number three. The number three entrance. Took us by surprise. Mm-hmm. We saw a person came out with the hood on. Next thing you know, the man came out. AJ Styles, wrestler <laughs> of the year. The best, most consistent perform- performer. 
feuds, beat John Cena, basically WWE's biggest star. Took the title from him. I mean, what more do you want? What more do you want? I mean, he he beat him. John Cena wants this six wants to be sixteen time champion. He can't beat AJ Styles at all. No matter what happens, after feud after feud, he brings his A game. So to come from the 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 indie scene, well, what we call the indie scene, to come dominate and back in, you know in the states of WWE, become the champion. It's it's amazing to me. WWE, the rest of the year. Indie scene, no matter what you put, rest of the enemy, hands down, nothing you can say about it. Agreed, Dr. M. Want to add something to that? Yep, Styles is my wrestler of the year as well for most most of the reasons Dwayne gave. The only thing I would add is that um, this is a man that's almost 40 years old now who came in WWE in January, and here we are, January 2017, and he is if not at the top, very near the top of the company, right? And so um, these young guys that are that are brought up, right, are um, consistently getting overshadowed by them, by by Styles and some of these older people like Jericho as well, right? And so, um, I mean, can say nothing but good things about Styles. The fact that he comes into this new environment and literally took over. Yeah, and I and I think just to add to everything that's been said is like AJ Styles did what can as what sellers would probably say could not ever be done. One, you came from um another promotion. First of all, the fact that you came scratch that. Wrestle Kingdom ten, the send off match for both of them was insane that it happened so that the rumors started coming to light that you're like, okay, maybe AJ Styles and Nakamura are about to leave. But they're not coming to WWE because WWE don't sign big, big stars like that, you know? Then he comes out in the Royal Rumble. You're like, no way. Like, this is freaking happening. Like, you know, him and Roman couldn't touch each other for like a quick, like two minutes or something. Oh, actually, somebody else did come out before they even touched each other because the crowd was so hyped that this was surreal happening. Entrance music was awesome, all that. Then to do everything that he did in the year with many match of the year candidates and then to win the belt, then to be the face of the SmackDown Live that's been redone, like that's, that's as for all puns intended, phenomenal. So absolutely my match of my match, my wrestler of the year as well. I don't take anything that you guys said about AJ Styles. I don't. I agree please, with 100%. Just, disclaimer yourself, please, as another <laughs> moment. <laughs> but, but one thing that we can say is it did not surprise us that this would happen. I think even five years ago, if AJ Styles would have came over to WWE, you would expect the same thing he's doing now five years ago. Not at all. Really? I don't think so, because you're the main advocate that WWE do not put over non-homegrown talent. They don't. They don't. But this is a rare special case where they needed to because he is a worldwide phenomenon. And the same thing will be happening to Shinsuke Nakamura when he comes up. Um, but the only thing is they put AJ Styles directly on that main roster because they knew his name carried itself and he knew what he could do he just had to give that chance to be seen and and once again when you beat john cena twice and you don't lose against him 
is, is, is outstanding. And we'll see what happens in the Royal Rumble when we be there, when that match happens. However, when you have somebody that can change the way you can view wrestling or change the way one company can build behind one person if they do it correctly, you have to give the rest of the year to Matt Hardy. thing that I have ever seen in life right at that time is that segment and that match he did with Jeff Hardy in his own backyard. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving credit to TNA. I'm giving credit to Matt Hardy on that that he came up with this gimmick type of match and how it was produced in his own backyard. And then to eventually have the final deletion show, whatever, it, it, it may have been good or bad, but just the fact that this guy has changed the way you view him in wrestling is, is great. I remember back in WrestleMania 30 where Dr. M was in the airport. Me and D-Wayne was in the airport, and Dr. M was about to get on his flight. And he texted, and he was like, wow, I just saw Matt Hardy. And this guy just looked like a regular Joe. And this was only about a couple of years ago, three years ago to be exact looking like a regular Joe in an airport, basically a free agent, not doing anything, just being a fan of coming to WrestleMania, to where he is now to being basically the best wrestler in TNA. And if he was given another chance to be a wrestler in WWE with this broken Matt Hardy gimmick, if he was allowed to keep that, the way the landscape WWE would treat him, and he would be an instant, instant, instant world title, not just a contender, but a world title holder. And think about what a broken Matt Hardy match would be against the AJ Styles with a broken Matt Hardy deletion type match where they're outside. And think about if WWE had the time. I know they tried to do it with the New Day and Bray Wyatt, which was terrible. But if you think about what they could do with Bray Wyatt, excuse me, with Matt Hardy and AJ Styles in that type of match, and they can do it live, what type of epic match that would be? And that's all because of what Matt Hardy has done for himself, his gimmick his character to build himself up to be or changing what wrestling can be. So that's why I give Matt Hardy the rest of the year. A lot of people won't, won't see it because of what TNA is, but what he has done for himself, what can transcend into 2017, and if he came back to WWE, it would be memorable. It would be outstanding. That's why he's my wrestler of the year. I, I, I can see that. I definitely can see it. But he didn't have a better year on the best show of wrestling right now. As I can, I can give you that. But he definitely I, I is carrying it. He is carrying a brand solely by himself. So I really can is. see that. I can see that. Anyway, this has definitely been one of our funnest first shows. Fun. Long at that. But nonetheless, we had to get this out. We had to get it done. Um, before we get out here, any closing remarks? Uh, for me, just 2016 was a, a, a excellent year for us to grow. And once again, we said this in the beginning, but just the communications and partnerships we had throughout the year from WrestleMania to different podcasts that we'd be invited to or different podcasts that we share with people. I mentioned that all of us have been working on. Um, it's just been great. And I just hope 2017 will be definitely be good for us uh, to continue to do on. I know a lot of us have grown professionally. Um, and I know we will continue to grow professionally in 2017. But if this podcast can grow as well, and just by the support of people, it's just appreciative of what we can, what we have and what we can go to. So I'm just, I'm just expecting that. Awesome. Anybody else? Sellers basically summed it up for me. Cool. Um, as far as our weekly product, we're working on some scheduling. So, um, you know, we usually do um, 8 o'clock every Wednesday. Uh, we still got to debate amongst ourselves a little bit more. It's it's 
it's a chance that we may be moving to a Thursday at seven. I think we kind of talked about a little bit, but we'll figure it out. You, 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 we'll tweet it out when we're officially going to continue our weekly product. But, um, you know, for two chains, stop the M silly sellers, uh, D Wayne in the absence of Aaron, this is the big go by resin podcast. Thank you for listening in today. And uh, be, be sure to subscribe, like, retweet, interact, all that other good stuff. Yeah. I have a good time.